0: Audio Podcast Network. Part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network. As the snow doth blow and drifts mile high, we'll sit in the Month and drink our wine dry welcome to whining about history the women's history podcast where we have a long serious lecture about history just kidding we get drunk and talk about bitches you should know about i'm emily i'm kelly oh, and we are recording remotely today which is why my mic sound might sound a little different um because it's snowmageddon outside
1: yeah it's terrible
0: it's it's fine you know what uh in minnesota we're especially like thanks to covid working remote is such a not like no brainer now. It's easy to work from home and not have to be like, okay, is it worth maybe dying to get into the office today? And you really have to kind of weigh that. Yeah. The downside is though, when I went to Target yesterday, it was like stripped bare. Like, was oh, it like- really? Yeah, and the part, and like the part about that that pissed me off is that they were all out of claws and pickles. Soda.
1: My dog's trying to eat your dog bed. (laughs) wait, they were all out of what?
0: Foss and pickles. I was like, I'm going to treat myself and get myself some pickles as a snowstorm snack. And they were completely fucking out. And I'm like, are you? I didn't know pickles were like the hot thing for everyone to get. Like, I got that all of the meat was gone. And I got like the eggs were gone. And but like the pickles were gone.
1: Yeah, like of all the goddamn things.
0: Yes, it's okay. I got a giant bag of Skittles. I'm going to regret eating later. It's fine. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, we haven't drank wine yet this year, I'm suddenly realizing. So I don't think it matters who goes first with the wine so I'm just gonna hijack this whole situation because I have a story about my wine
1: that's okay I'm not I'm not drinking wine I'm drinking hot chocolate and peppermint schnapps so
0: that sounds amazingly and the perfect snowstorm beverage so today I am drinking a bottle of open skies Cabernet Sauvignon and it's from Monterey County California to 2021 which uh when I like got into dating I was like 2020 was the lost year. 2021 was the year to fuck around because no one knew what was going on. And 2022 was my year to find out. And that's when like, I started finally making healthy choices. So this is from my fuck around.
1: <laughs> fuck around and find
0: out. <laughs> fuck around and realize you're in a toxic relationship and then find out how to get out. Of it. Yeah, you know. Um, so this was this was kind of an impulse purchase at the Target liquor store. Uh, there's no description on it, but there is a story. So um, I, bu- I bought a bunch of, I bought some groceries just to tide me over for the snowstorm, decided I'm going to treat myself with some wine. So I got this bottle of Open Skies and then like four little, like like a little four pack of bottles of sangria. And I check out and I'm walking in my car and I'm like on the sidewalk outside of Target. And I I still don't know what happened because there was nothing that I tripped on. There was no ice. There was no slush. But I like tripped over my own feet and I fucking went down.
1: Oh, no. Like,
0: like in a cartoon, I ate complete shit. And I hear the sound of glass
1: <gasps> No.
0: And I'm like, oh, fucking A. And I like, I get up and I'm just like alone on the ground. And the embarrassment is flushing in my face. And I look and there's just like, it looks like a pool of blood because it's just a pool of dark wine slowly growing around the broken bottle in the paper bag. And it's like flowing to the street.
1: You're like, no. And
0: like, I'm like, do I go and get some paper towels? See, like, so
1: that's like, when you dramatically like get up on your knees and do the
0: no. I do the epi- well, Okay, here's the thing: I fucked up both of my knees. One, I, I didn't even notice I fucked up my other knee, but it's bruised to shit. But I scraped the crap out of one of my knees. Like I went down. Yeah. So getting on my knees probably wouldn't have been a good idea. If I should have done the like Darth Vader episode three.
1: Yeah. Oh exactly you missed your moment
0: I did um but I like pick up my bags and I put the broken pieces of glass in the little paper bag because I'm like that's more than a lot of people would do step on glass and I throw it in the trash and I walk to my car and like I park kind of far away because I'm like steps and now I'm completely I'm like fuck this fuck everything I'm so mad I get in my car and fortunately the four little sangria bottles didn't break but like that bag was full of wine so I like I bought this plastic storage container that I was carrying with me I put yeah. it all in there I put it in my back seat I'm sitting in my car and I'm just like I really wanted that bottle of wine
1: okay you're like god damn it it was speaking I know, to me
0: I, I know I have four other little bottles but I I'm mad I'm, I'm mad and I'm shameless, so I drive my car closer <laughs> to the Target this time. I go into the liquor store, and the guy kind of looks at me because he just saw yeah, me. Yeah, and you're like, so... I'm <laughs> like, um, do you guys have a, like, little kid who dropped her ice cream cone three seconds after ordering it? <laughs> Let's see, because I just ate shit outside. <laughs> So he sends me to customer service because he has no idea what, like, how Yeah, he's like,
1: um, I probably, like, yeah.
0: I don't, it's not that I don't think anyone has never broken the bottle of wine right after buying it. I think I'm just one of the first people to actually come back and be like, can I get
1: another one?
0: (laughs) To admit that I ate shit outside. Like, my coat's got wine on it. I'm i'm so embarrassed but i was the first person to come in and be like so here's my story he sends me a customer service i ask them and the gal is like i have no idea let me get someone who knows what they're doing because i'm just filling in from starbucks i'm like you poor sweet baby so this other guy comes over mind you everyone i'm talking to is 12. like yeah, they've had a crazy day and I'm like starting to feel really bad about even asking
1: right you're like, Ma- like maybe I should just go
0: I know I'm like maybe I should just go jump in front of a car would that be more convenient for everyone but I'm trying to you know not let my embarrassment control my life and my anxiety so this guy like ha- he comes over I tell him what happened He's like, do you have the receipt? I'm like, well, the receipt got soaked in wine, so no. He's like, do you have the bottle? I'm like, well, the bottle shattered, but I can dig it out of the trash can outside. He goes, no, no, you don't have to do that. You should
1: have been like, can you check your security footage?
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if you put like one of those slide whistle sound effects with it, it's going to be super funny. It's going to brighten your day because I... I cannot even begin to describe how I went down. It was like full cartoon, like splayed out. I did the whole Superman thing. It was awful. So he gets permission from one of his supervisors to basically refund me the wine. I go back to the liquor store, rebuy the exact same bottle of wine.
1: And then this time- I'm they- glad they had another bottle.
0: Yeah. Oh, they had so much. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Here, here's the punchline to this whole story. You know how much this bottle of wine was? Like eight bucks. With tax, $8.24. was
1: so close.
0: It was a $20 bottle of wine. Like, that's more like, I'm not throwing away $20. It was $8. But it's That's probably even more so
1: why they were like, why does she care so much?
0: Because I was excited about a bottle of wine. And not only did I, like, trip and break it, it was like, 30 seconds after I bought the damn thing like if I had done this at home that's on me you know if I had been walking into my house I wouldn't have gone back But I was like I was like 10 steps outside of the store
1: like yeah they literally could check the security footage and watch you like bite it
0: and here's the thing, the, the pool of wine that looked like a blood pool, I'm like, it's still out there if you want to go and check. And I'm, I'm just imagining, I was like, I wonder if it's still there. I wonder if it froze.
1: That would be funny. <laughs> like, <that'd> be, like,
0: <laughs> so this is the $8 bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon that I bought twice because I like the name and I like the way the bottle looked. And I'm going to see if it was all worth it. I'm also going to post the pictures on Wine Wednesday of my knee after I fell because I...
1: And the bottle of wine.
0: Oh, yeah. And the bottle. I took a very nice picture of the bottle of wine, but my knee got
1: oh. fucked. <laughs> Please ignore and then the snuffling morning, of the very angry hip... dog. And
0: then this morning, my hip and my shoulder were really, like, sore. I'm like, why is that? Oh, because I went down on that entire side of my body.
1: Oh yeah, because I ate shit.
0: Yeah, because I I got a big old spoon and a bowl and just ate shit. <laughs> yeah. So Kelly, please raise your glass of delicious hot chocolate and peppermint schnapps and toast to Target's generous wine return policy. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. I also learned what to do if this ever happens to me again. Like, okay, try to save the receipt.
1: Try to save the receipt. Maybe save up the bottle or a piece of the bottle if possible.
0: I I probably should. uh, Here's the thing though I didn't decide to go back in until I'd gotten to the
1: car. Yeah. You were, you debated walking away.
0: Yeah. I, I, I really thought about not going back. But by the time I got to the car, I was so mad. (laughs) Just like at myself and gravity. I'm like, fuck this. For this to be worth it, I need to leave with a bottle of wine. (laughs) So yeah, thank you for joining me on that journey.
1: That really does sound absolutely terrible, though.
0: It was not fun. Um, The only thing that made it a little better is that after I fell, no one came over to help me, which allowed me to assume no one saw me go down.
1: (laughs) Sure, we we can say that.
0: It's got to pretend like me falling and embarrassing myself happened in a vacuum and no one else witnessed it. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: But yeah, no, I fought for this fucking bottle (sighs) to bring this to you, the beautiful listeners. That's funny. (sighs) So Kelly, you're going first, right? I am. Thank God.
1: Thank God.
0: Because I just bared my clumsy asshole. You know what's terrible, too, is I went on a walk with my fellow the other night, and I was slipping and sliding on the ice and the slush. I didn't fall once. This time, walking on a perfectly level and clear surface went down because of my own feet. (laughs) Shaking my head at you. Don't you shake your head at me in that tone of voice. (laughs) Don't you disapprovingly snort at me? Um, By the way, the wine is good. Is it? Is yeah, you thought it would it's, be. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, it may. The story might be making it even better. Honestly, like if you drink, if if someone else drinks this, I don't know if you're gonna have the same experience I have because it's like I'm, I'm. It's my victory sip. <laughs> it's
1: your victory thought, wine of like I, I have battle scars for this wine.
0: I have, I have, so one of my knees is scraped up pretty bad and bruised. The other knee is just bruised, which I'm like, if I'm going to be brought to my knees, this is not the way I want it to happen. God damn it. But like, I fought, I bled for this wine. So it tastes so sweet. It was worth it. I mean, like, I wouldn't repeat the falling, but I would go back and be like, please give me another bottle of wine. Right. It, if only... To honor the fact that I came to you as a grown woman and admitted that I fell embarrassingly, broke my $8 bottle of wine, and am now coming to you begging for a replacement. I just love that. I hope those young kids were like, oh, God, is this how I'm going to be when I'm old? And I'm just going to be like, yeah.
1: Yeah, this is exactly your life. Right, exactly. Like, this is you in 15 years. Yeah, and hopefully you know, you have a
0: kindly fifteen year old checking you out at Target who also takes pity on you and your need for wine. All right, well, Kelly, I'm please glad send you,
1: your wine. you got your wine.
0: I'm I'm thrilled I got my wine. I fucking earned it. <sighs> That's
1: all I can think about is I'm like, I just I would have been so shame shamed to be able okay. like th- I don't think th- I would have really been able to walk back into that target.
0: I actually, I thought I might start crying a little when I went back into the liquor store. Like, my eyes welled up a little when I started explaining it. But then I was like, this is so fucking stupid. Like, I couldn't help but laugh at it. <laughs> but I was just, like, embarrassed. Yeah. But you know what? You know who doesn't get wine? People who let their embarrassment stop them. Yeah.
1: The people, people who don't let- go back into Target.
0: Lean into the shame. Make the shame your power. Get mad.
1: Make that Get shame mad. your bitch. <laughs> all right. So I am whining about Fanny Blanker's Cone. Cohen.
0: Cohen? Okay. I thought it was Cone. Cohen. Which, first of all, Fanny Blanker's Cohen is a great name, but Fanny Blanker's Cone, even better. <laughs>
1: They're both pretty fantastic. She
0: may want to consider a, a, a rebranding. I'm just saying, but yeah, f- Fanny Blankers.
1: Fanny Blankers.
0: Fanny, is it Blankers? Or blankers. Blankers. blankers.
1: It could be Blonkers, okay. I guess technically. It could be Bonkers. No. Blonkers, like a long bonkers. a. It's B-L-A-N-K-E-R-S Okay,
0: well, I'm calling her Fanny Blankers
1: because that—that's her married name. Blankers or Blonkers or whatever it is.
0: It's Blankers. We've decided.
1: Herstory headcanon.
0: head headcanon slash fact. No one knows how to pronounce anything, and I assume that she's not alive to tell me otherwise, so
1: she tell me not, all about
0: Fanny Blankers.
1: Alright, so Fanny Cohen was born on April 26, 1918. So no, she's not still alive.
0: I mean, Kelly, you're covering her, so I assume that she... <laughs> Has at least been dead for the last 24 hours. Yeah,
1: exactly. You know, <laughs> cover my bases.
0: 1918, though, good year. Yes. Um, the First World War ended. Yes. Or wait, was it? It was 1918,
1: right? I don't know. Was, I didn't look I, that no, up. No, it was
0: 1918. It wasn't 1919.
1: Now I have to Google it.
0: Okay, you keep telling your story. I will Google it because I'm the one who. Said it with confidence and immediately questioned
1: myself. Yeah, it was 1918. November 1918. Cool. Cool. So she was born in April of the last year of the Great War.
0: And we're not saying that her birth, you know, led to the ending of the Great War, but we're highly suggesting it. I I tried letting
1: her go and then she was chaos incarnate again, so... Oh, my God.
0: Th- this is the fun thing about when we record remote is uh, our animals are very, very present in our recording. So Kelly is wrestling with her youngest puppy. My cat keeps jumping up and walking in front of the camera and showing Kelly his butthole. Yep. And then my dogs in the other room just decide that nothing is OK. There's a disturbance in the forest and start barking for no reason. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's a super fun time. It's a very animal heavy episode.
1: I should have looked up how to pronounce the name of this town and I didn't and I I have regrets. Ooh, just just pronounce it badly. I mean, I'm going to. So just she was lean, she, it, lean into the
0: shame Kelly, you'll get a bottle of wine. No,
1: I won't. I'll probably just get yelled at by the Dutch people.
0: Let's hike to the target in our orange snow suits so that our bodies can, can be, be found, found in yeah, the exactly. spring.
1: <laughs> so, she was born April 26, 1918 in lage Verche. In the Netherlands.
0: Lage Vachet. Ooh yay. L'Age, L'age That's Vachet. actually L'Arche sounds
1: like a but great. It sounds drag kind of, of French. Name. That's why I'm like, I don't think that's right, but whatever.
0: But doesn't it sound like a great drag queen name? It does. Like, welcome to the stage, Lage Verche. Anyone can have that. You're welcome. You can thank us and Fanny Blankers yes. for your new drag queen name.
1: So, her father was Arnaldus, and her mother was Helena, and her father was a government official um, who also competed in shot put and discus, so he was a, a field, track and field person. Okay. Um, She grew up with five brothers,
0: Jesus. but was, was
1: the only daughter of her family, Um, but as a teenager, she was like naturally gifted in a lot of sports. She enjoyed playing tennis, swimming, gymnastics, ice skating, fencing, running, really like anything that got her body moving, she enjoyed doing. And it soon became clear that not only did she enjoy it, but she was actually like good at playing sports, just like in general.
0: See, that's what I really missed about the things that I enjoyed as a child. I enjoyed them. I was not good at them. <laughs> that was that was the missing key for success.
1: <laughs> being good at them as well as enjoying them?
0: I mean, yeah, just being good at anything, period.
1: <laughs> I'm sure you were good at something.
0: Cory and my mom, I was good at being a whiny little bitch.
1: Well, there you go. I mean, it's
0: something. Oh, yeah. I I, I take great pride in ruining my parents'
1: lives. <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyways, uh, I'm kidding, um, but yeah, so she, she's playing all these different sports, and she was like, I don't know like which one I'm most passionate about. I don't know which one I should like pursue, and her swimming coach at the time um, was like, hey, since you're, you're kind of multi-talented, I suggest um, running. Basically, I suggest not swimming. Because Netherlands at the time already had a bunch of top swimmers, but they didn't have a lot of like runners. And so he was like, if you want to be able to like go farther and enter like national or international competitions, I suggest um, doing running because you have a better chance at qualifying for the Olympic teams then because there's less people from the Netherlands doing it. Emily has been Our disconnected cat. by her that's cat. for
0: for a second. No, and I and I get that. It's like there there's less competition. Right. For people from the Netherlands in running. Like, hey, you're a great swimmer and that's awesome, but if you really like wanna take this to the next level, yeah. and perhaps be professional, go with running that no one else is doing.
1: Exactly. It's not like, yeah, it's not like I don't think you could maybe beat out these other people and you'll yeah, you'll have a smaller field. Of home competition, you know, than if you choose to do running. I think that's kind of the big thing is like you're you'll still have competition, but it's just not going to be competition like within your own country. So yeah, when you go out for the Olympics, you're more likely to make it onto the team.
0: Yeah, I mean it's just kind of like the the market for swimmers was flooded. Exactly. Yeah, economics,
1: economics, money talk. <laughs> You know all those fun things art of the deal <laughs> art of the deal is that what we're talking about now?
0: This fucking cat is what we're talking about right now. Fine. Right, just in <laughs> your fucking dog. just go
1: <laughs> be chaotic, whatever I give up.
0: <laughs> can you go be chaotic somewhere yeah, else <laughs> just
1: you're gonna eat the bed, whatever I give up. have fun enjoy. I mean, it's, it's a Don't good source choke. of fiber fibers. <laughs> okay. So yeah. So at the time her swimming coach was like, be a runner, which I think kind of makes sense too, because it's like, okay, your, your dad is also kind of adjacent to that field. Cause they usually sport, you know, it's track and field. <laughs> All those sports are kind of put together. And so it's kind of also like, Hey, you might, you know, your dad might have some sort of input. Maybe. Who knows? Well,
0: and then also running, like tr- training and running, it has so many apl- applications to other sports.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Even, even,
0: even with swimming, you know, it, it's good to do dry land training, like running. So it's a good foundational practice. So I'm told.
1: So you're told. But yeah, As like, no, and it's, it's one me. of those things that a lot of times you'll see runners swim and swimmers run because they're they can be in opposite seasons and it, it is a good way to keep your body in shape.
0: Yeah. And as someone who runs on the treadmill exclusively for like 30 minutes at a time, I can attest to that. I'm an expert. You're an expert. Everyone can ask you all the of questions. I have a white man.
1: <laughs> so all of the confidence. Mm hmm. That's
0: the, that is the energy I was channeling to go back in and get my replacement <laughs> bottle of wine. I was not a bitch, but I had some, like, Karen-level confidence. Did you? I did, because I actually went in and asked for a replacement bottle when normally I would just slink away and cry myself to sleep. <laughs> Slink away and cry. Please don't do that. That sounds Like sad. I do on
1: most nights. That sounds so sad, though.
0: It's okay. Arthur loves it. He tastes like salt. Salty with tears.
1: I have questions. <laughs> He's my little snuggle bug, and I love him.
0: All right, so tell me more about Fanny Blanker and her... And her... Her running, her running cardio adventure, her yes.
1: cardiovascular journey. Yeah. Her card- all right, sorry, I have to stop laughing. Um,
0: <laughs> Please don't. I love it when I make you laugh because you never laugh at me.
1: I laugh at you all the time, just not when you want me to.
0: You're a bitch, and I love you.
1: <laughs> um. Sorry. <laughs> It's making me laugh.
0: (laughs) It's really distracting for Kelly to sit there and watch me pet my pussy. It is. Cat.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure. Judge
0: a good boy though.
1: Anyways. Yes. (laughs) Um, so her first appearance in um like professional sports was in 1935 at the age of 17. Um And yes, it was in running. She was like, OK, she took her swimming coach's advice and was like, fine, I'll run. <laughs> she probably liked it anyway, so it's fine. Um, So her first competition was a bit of a disappointment because she didn't do well in her first two races. But in her third race, she set a national record in the 800 meter run. So it's like, Jesus Christ. it's like, oh, I sucked. I sucked. Oh, my God. I set a world record or a national record. Yeah,
0: Are you fucking kidding me? Who is this? What is this person? I know. Also, what was the definition of sucking for her?
1: Not like, doing like well do in two races, apparently. Sucking?
0: Yeah, but like, how do you go from sucking in two races to like, oh, third chimes the charm. I set a national record. No big deal. <laughs> like, was she just warming up? What the fuck?
1: That's funny. Yes, yes, she was. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. Probably, um, it takes me crazy. about two races to, um, you know, warm up. So yeah, definitely.
0: It, it takes me about two races also, uh, and I'm still waiting on doing the first one. You're still waiting. On the first one. I'm, I'm can- I have I have done two, f- no, three five Ks now. Yeah, not well, but I've done them.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the thing. You you got to start somewhere.
0: I mean we can't all have Fanny's delightful problem of just being too good at too many things where she's like, "What do I choose? I'm so good at everything."
1: You know, it's just sometimes some people just have the problem of, yeah, being too good at everything, and so they're like, "I don't I don't know what I want to do.
0: What Ivy League school should I go to? I got accepted by all of them." <laughs> like, was me? Like don't get me wrong. I love Fanny, but also her problems are not terribly relatable. And I'm having a hard time with it right now. I'm just
1: going to shake my head at you.
0: I don't know if I can could, could handle Fanny's story today after what I just told everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but please keep going. So she set a national record.
1: Yep, yeah, for the 800 meter. So that's like a, a mid-distance run. It's not Two. a sprint. It's not a, you know, it's not the long yeah. haul. Um. So she would go on to make like the Dutch national team, and um, she would make it as a sprinter, not as a middle distance runner, because at the time, outside of the Netherlands, because obviously she she had just done a mid-distance run in the Netherlands and set a, set a national record, but outside the Netherlands, particularly in the Olympics, the 800-meter was considered too physically demanding for female contestants and had been removed from the Olympic program in 1928 for women. It was still there for men.
0: Okay, really quick. Were any women actually consulted in that decision? Were any women actually asked? I mean, let's
1: be honest, probably not.
0: Definitely not. But I just love, like, I mean, here's the thing. We're still dealing with this with a bunch of people usually men, making decisions about women and for women that they have no business making. Like, oh, no, 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 this is way too strenuous. You can't do that. It's like, I'm sorry, were any of us consulted? Were any women runners actually consulted? Or were you too worried that, right. you know, we'd have to, like, hold our uteruses in with our hands as we ran? It would just be really uncomfortable for everyone.
1: Yeah, it's people making dumb decisions for dumb it's, reasons
0: it's so frustrating and like also the people making these decisions they're 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 not in a position i like i don't care if you're on like the big olympic sports committee i'm like shut shut the fuck up you're not a doctor you don't know what women can or cannot handle stop <laughs> yeah thank god you know people uneducated people like politicians don't make decisions about women's bodies anymore
1: hmm 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 so the following year, she would start being coached by a man named Jan Blankers, Blankers, whatever, whatever we decided. <laughs> no, it's Blankers. Um, who was a former Olympic tri- triple jumper himself and had participated in the 1928 Olympics. And he encouraged her to enter the time trials for the 1936 Olympics that were going to be held in Berlin. Um, oh. Yeah. She was eight. Those,
0: those are a very notable Olympics. Yes, Olympics. Yeah.
1: Um, she was eighteen years old. Um, when she went in for the trials, and she did get in, she was selected to compete in both the high jump and the four hundred meter relay. That was one of the events I ran.
0: Four hundred meter relay.
1: The the four by one hundred meter relay. It's one of the baton pass ones. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So at the Berlin Olympics, the high jump and the four by 100 meter relay competitions were held on the same day, because why not? Um, And in the high jump, she would take fifth place, shared with two other jumpers, while the Dutch relay team would also come in fifth place. The sixth team in the final was Germany, who was disqualified. (laughs) Ah, the
0: Berlin Olympics. Can you, okay, I'm sorry, can you imagine being disqualified at your own fucking Olympics? No, but it's kind of funny. Oh, it's hilarious. No, like here's the thing that so the was it 36, you said? Yeah. But the but the Berlin Olympics are like such a notable event in sports history because it's the lead up to World War II. Hitler is there and like you know there's a lot that went
1: on during those olympics and this
0: is this is him like trying to showcase to the world that like no we are superior and my way of doing things which involves the mass you know genocide of other people is the correct thing to do and it totally blew up in his fucking face it's it's one of those like chef kiss moments where you're just like just suck it and choke on it you dick
1: um, and it, the the fact that she got that um, autograph from him became, like, one of her most prized possessions, which I'm like, yeah, definitely.
0: Oh, my God. Can, can you imagine? And, it, like, you don't have his autograph because you were in the stands and he grabbed your notebook and signed it. You got his autograph because you were competing in the same Olympics as him in the same general, like, field, track and field. Yep,
1: because he was a track and field runner as well. Like,
0: that is so cool yeah. i would never i would i would hold it as oh I yeah 100
1: percent. like it would be framed and like yeah, yeah place of honor in my home yeah um if
0: your house catches on fire and it's like well that's what the one thing for? you
1: save <laughs>
0: the autograph for your pets i can carry them
1: all exactly um what are you eating now Oh, well, it's a popcorn kernel. I guess she can eat that. That's fine. <laughs> Anyways, um, <laughs> two years later, she would um break another record. This time, a world record, and her first world record. So last time it was a national record. This time it was a um a world record. She won the hundred yard dash, or she ran the hundred yard dash in eleven seconds. Oh my god! Yeah. And you said she was mostly a sprinter. Yep. So that, that that makes sense. 100-yard dash is, like, yeah. I think the shortest sprint you can do.
0: So, like, sprinters are insane. Because it, it sounds like it would be a little easier because it's less distance that you have to actually oh, run. It's not. because you, you have, you have, you have, have no quit. room for error. You have to give it every little bit of everything the whole time. Uh there were sprinters I swam with who trained themselves not to breathe for the entire race. And and usually that'd be maybe for a 50. Oh, yeah. But still, when you're pushing it, you're you're gasping for air. And this isn't like running where you can just breathe. In swimming, breathing slows you down. So they would train themselves to exert all that energy, go as fast as they could through the water without ever taking a breath. Yeah. Because then that would slow them down. And literally, milliseconds make or break you
1: yeah oh yeah exactly so like if if you if you stumble at the start if you yeah if you make any wrong move you're you're done
0: yeah like there's not enough time yeah in in a distance you know you you can make a mistake and make up for it later in a sprint yeah no you have to be at your best the entire time yeah and you don't yeah you have no room for error
1: yeah Um, She would also go on that year, so 1938, to win her first international medal at the European Championships in Vienna, where she won the bronze in both the 100 and 200 meter sprints. Um, Many observers, including Fanny herself, um, had expected her to do well in the upcoming Olympic trials, which were due to be held in Helsinki in July of 1940, as Most of us know uh, the 1940 Olympics were canceled because of the outbreak of World War II. Um, They were so what's what I found interesting because I found this out while I was researching this story is so the Olympics were officially canceled in on May 2nd, 1940, which I'm like. Aren't the Olympics usually held in, like, July? Isn't that really late to cancel them? <laughs> we were really
0: hoping that the outbreak of another world war was just going to blow over.
1: Yeah, you know. They were they were canceled only one week before Hitler invaded the Netherlands. Oh, my fucking God. So it was like, by the way, we're not holding the Olympics. And then, by the way, we're going to invade you now. It's like, ooh, that's, that's a lot. That's... They really want.
0: They, they were like, okay, we know the world is like falling apart, but we really still want to have the Olympics. which right. I kind of get because there was all this buildup. You know, there 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 was all this like leftover. There was all this trauma from World War One. There was all this tension building up leading up to World War Two, and the Olympics are supposed to be this international coming together, and you know, it's about. Personal national pride, but then also acknowledging the accomplishments of other countries. And, you know, it, it's kind of like this great world sports showcase. So you think that would be the best time to really have an event like that?
1: Yeah, you'd think so. Except but... the world is literally going to war. Exactly. They're like, we don't have any athletes. We're going to war.
0: Yeah, all the athletes are, are on, on the front, Western Front or yeah. in the Pacific or Africa or right. exactly
1: um so just prior to the invasion so like April 1940 Fanny had actually become engaged and they would actually still get married even after the invasion and this was to her coach Jan Blankers mm-hmm. still might be Blankers but we've decided it's, it's Blankers. Blankers
0: stop trying to stop trying to correct it or pretend that we're not committed. It's blankers.
1: So he was 15 years her senior. But you know whatever. At this point I'm like I don't care. <laughs> it's, There's a war on. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: like That is literally the least of our problems. That kid could have babysat you. When you were an infant. But the world is at war. Again.
1: Well and I mean at least. She's not like. A literal child when this is happening. Like. You know,
0: yeah, I mean, it's still it. There, there's still an ick factor, but we're just going to move on. Yeah, there's less of an ick the, factor <laughs> there. That's not what the story's about, exactly.
1: So, um, so that's when she changed her name to the hyphenated Blankers Cohen or Blankers Cohen. Um, at the time, not only was Jan her coach, but he was also like a sports journalist. And I guess technically, he wasn't just her coach, he was coach of like the Dutch women's athletic team. In general, interesting fact about that, um, even though he was the coach of the Dutch women's athletic team, he originally believed that women should not compete in sports. Um, Which for the time in the 1940s, that's not actually that weird of an opinion. That's that was a very, very common opinion. But yeah, like once he met and fell in love with Fanny, he was like, no, women can compete. It's totally fine. Like, Isn't it amazing what good pussy can do? <laughs> right? You just, need, you just need the right woman. That's what everyone says.
0: I, I will say, though, I, I really applaud him for being confronted on his inaccurate beliefs and yeah. then being enough of a man to be like, oh, whoa, I was wrong, and actually changing his, his viewpoint
1: yeah, exactly. Because like,
0: there are a lot of people who would just be like, no, no, no pussies on the field, can't do it.
1: Right, like, he, he's willing to be like, you know what, I, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. Which is good. Growth is good. We love to see good growth. Um, so when Fanny, or, sorry, two years later, after they got married, Fanny would give birth to her first child named Jan Jr., so or not, was it Jan Junior? Jan Junior.
0: Jan Junior. <laughs> so
1: that was 1942. And the Dutch media, which was, again, this is very standard for the time, but it still makes me mad. It made me mad when I wrote it, and it still makes me mad now. Basically, the second the Dutch media found out that she had a child, they were like, well, she's done running. She's done competing in sports. She's done running. You know, she's a mother now.
0: Jesus Christ. And You know, th- you, you would never you would never say that about a man. Like, no. oh, he's a high powered executive, but he just has first child. So he's gonna quit his job. I guess he's retiring job. now. Yeah, he's gonna quit his job. He's just a dad. It's you can be all of these things at once. Right.
1: Yeah. It's like it's one of those things that it just makes me so mad because I'm like, are you <laughs> See, yeah. I
0: thought you were gonna say that wife of Jan Blankers <laughs>
1: birth been, child
0: <laughs> even though argue i think she's probably more famous than him
1: yeah like he competed but i don't think he ever won really
0: he didn't run two bad races and then set a national record
1: <laughs> right exactly um but yeah like like i said it was very common not only for people to assume that but the fact that she was actually even married and one of the top female athletes was incredibly rare like You didn't see at that time, you didn't see many female athletes that were married, let alone having children. So the fact that she now had a child, yeah, just automatically meant, well, well, she's done because this doesn't happen.
0: And I and I. I'm not going to say I get it because I because I don't. But I understand this idea that most female athletes are not married because then you do have to devote your, you're expected to devote yourself to your husband. You're expected to do- devote yourself to your home and having children and all that stuff. I mean, even in the 1940s, there was still that expectation that once a woman is connected to a husband, the husband is her job.
1: Yeah, That's exactly. That's
0: She doesn't actually have a life. And the financial, and I don't know what it was like in the Netherlands, but the financial control that a husband had over a wife back in the day
1: was
0: frightening so i can kind of see also why they would think that she couldn't she wasn't going to run again because i'm sure most women wouldn't have that opportunity to run again
1: no exactly like they they probably just assumed like yeah like this that is her life now yeah um but uh fanny was back training within like weeks of giving birth to her son, which I'm like, I don't know if that's actually healthy or no. <laughs> like that. that that's my thing sense. is I'm like, I don't, I'm not saying she shouldn't do it. I'm just saying, I'm like, I don't know if that's healthy for you.
0: I have been through less trauma than giving birth. And I'm like, I could stay in bed for a month.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, so I'm like, like man, a- you're, you're okay. Like you do She's you girl, but beast. Damn. You
0: know,
1: fucking beast. Yeah, she definitely is. (laughs) But yeah, so she's she's back training um, 1942 Um, during the war. um, Most like most international sports competitions were canceled. Understandably, like like I said, there weren't a lot of competitors. People weren't really feeling the like, let's go cheer for, for people vibe. However, at also, least in Where the, do you
0: have that competition that's not being dominated by war? Right?
1: At least in the Netherlands, they kept their domestic sports competitions despite being occupied by Germany at the time. Holland was like, "No, we're still going to do this. You're weren't not the, taking this away from us."
0: weren't the Netherlands where Hitler was trying to get that like heavy water
1: or whatever it I was no to idea.
0: develop atomic weapons probably? Am I making this up? I don't know.
1: Um, so, yeah, like, they're like, no, we're still going to, like, have these competitions. Like, whoever's still around can still compete. Probably mostly they're women. Um, but during that time, during them holding domestic competitions for, you know, during the war. So, between 1942 and 1944, Fanny would set six new world records during that time. Jesus Christ. Yep. The first came right away in 1942, right when she started competing again after the birth of her son. She would um, get the new world record in the 80-meter hurdles. So this is one of the hurdles ones. Um, the following year, she would improve her own world record on the 80-meter meter hurdles. <laughs> She's just beating herself. Yep. She world record. yep. She would then improve the world high jump record by five centimeters, which is huge. Like that, yeah. Usually, it's by like half or one. So doing it five centimeters at once is really impressive. So she moved it from one point six six meters to one point seven one meters, um, in a in a specially arranged high jump competition that hap- happened in Amsterdam. She then tied the 100-meter world record. Um, However, this was never officially recognized because she was competing against men when she ran this time. And I'm like, excuse me, that should make it count even more.
0: I I don't understand the logic behind that. Because if she, here's the thing, if her time was world record worthy, why did it matter who she was running against? She was running in an official competition this wasn't like, well, I ran it in my backyard. You just didn't see me. She's not, like, making it up. Right. And with all of this bullshit around male supremacy in athletics, I yeah, mean. it should make it count more.
1: Exactly. Like, I, I bunch read that and I was just like, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's like A bunch of dudes got butt hurt. Exactly. They were like, no, we can't let her have this because then people will find out she ran faster than us. that's probably what it was let's be honest
0: yeah yeah they're like not only did she set another world record but she did it while competing against men exactly
1: and they were like "Mm, this is not okay
0: jesus fucking christ
1: yeah also maybe having a baby made her stronger right she's like i had a (laughs) baby and now i'm gonna just kick everybody's ass
0: Like, she had a super Saiyan moment. Her hair got spiky and electricity's buzzing around her as she's, like, giving birth to this baby. And now she's just spending the war breaking world records left and right. Right. (laughs) Her power is over 9,000.
1: Yeah. So she would close out that season by setting a new world record in long jumping um at 6.25 meters um a record that would stand for 11 years.
0: Wow.
1: So it lasted from 1943 to 1954. Girl can jump as well as run like damn. Legs for days. Legs for days. It's a it's
0: a it's not a cardio cardiovascular journey, it's a cardiovascular domination. <laughs>
1: exactly. So Obviously during the war um circumstances weren't easy and it was becoming harder and harder for them to get food in um Germany occupied Netherlands like mm-hmm. the thing is they're not only are the Netherlands dealing with the war they're also dealing with being occupied by the Nazis which was never a good thing
0: Oh, no, 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 of course not. And there, I know there was a lot of, you know, counter-Nazi activism going on in the Netherlands and other Nazi-occupied countries at the time. But to be occupied by the Nazis, I mean, w- what a nightmare. Because basically, one, they can do whatever the hell they want to you. Yep. And you have no recourse. Yep. So God forbid that they're, like, they decide that you're on their, your, their shit list. Right. Second of all, the resources are all going to them. And yeah. because the world is at war, there are not a lot of resources going around. So there are a lot of records of people starving to death in these occupied countries.
1: Oh, yeah. So, um, and like, things weren't different just because Fanny was an athlete. However, she kept persisting and she was like, I'm not, again, kind of like, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let them not... You know, I'm not going to let them being here not let me do what I'm passionate about, which I'm like, damn, like of all the people to stand up to, like the Nazis had to be terrifying. I mean, like, obviously they were, but like, that's a whole new level of like standing up to someone because
0: like they, they
1: were known for like killing people.
0: Oh, yeah. No, they just shoot you dead. And there's there's also they're standing up to like a bully, you know, one one person. Who's giving you a hard time? It's another thing to stand up to a military occupying your country.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Which and th- this this is true for everyone who resisted the Nazis. You know.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those things that it's just like I, I, like I would be too scared to walk back into a Target, let alone that.
0: Oh my God, no! I I wouldn't have gone back for the wine.
1: I would have um, run. Exactly. You're like, I'm done. Just kidding. At JK. <laughs>
0: yep.
1: No, no, no. Please don't murder me for dropping a bottle of wine. Would, I would have never been at Target.
0: I would have just ordered everything online and never left my house again. Yeah, it would
1: have been COVID again. Um, but so despite the the hardships getting harder, she continued competing. And in 1944, Fanny would manage to break the 100 yard dash again or sorry this one's a 100 yard dash which is 91 meters yes different (laughs) um but she would break that record in may of 1944 at the same meet she would run the relay um with a team the four by by 100 and the four by 100 meter and also break the world the team would break the world record for that as well the Germans were super excited about this for some reason, because I think it's because they were like, well, this. So the previous record had been set by an English team. And I think the Germans were like, well, this country we've occupied is better than you.
0: They they basically are they're, seeing the Netherlands as. Yeah,
1: they're, they're claiming extended. the Netherlands victories is what they're yeah. doing. Yeah, exactly. Um m- months later, she would break another record on a team. She would break the four by 200 meter record, which was held by Germany at the time. And probably in one of the scariest things she ever did in her life during that run, they were wearing um, outfits that had Netherlands national symbols on them oh
0: because that was the other thing when nazis were occupying a country i mean we kind of joke about it, but you basically it were Germany
1: germans now. yeah
0: yeah and you weren't allowed to have any pride or recognition of the country that you were living in and had been living in that they had invaded yep oh my god yep so they were just like all right we're doing this that okay can i just say i love sports activism stories yeah, I do, too. Like there was the ba- the Black Panthers salute at uh, at Olympics. There, you know, Jesse Owens beating the German team like just I there's something about sports activism that it, it hits in a different way. It does. And I and think. I, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I think maybe it's because it's in a scenario where at best no one's expecting you. And at worst, people are like, don't fucking do a thing because you were on this national or international or large stage yeah and then to take your career your safety your your future into your hands to take advantage of having the eyes on you is huge because the um I think it was an Australian runner who was on the podium uh when the other two runners did the Black Panther salute Mm -hmm. and I I I I don't remember anyone's names off the top of my head. I'd have to look it up, but he didn't do the salute, but he like bowed his head in like, you know, solidarity. Yeah. Camaraderie, you know, like he, he supported them, but he didn't do the salute, but he lent them. So it was his idea for them to wear the gloves. So like he had a pair of black gloves and he gave each of them one of the black gloves so that's why each of the men who are doing the black power salute are do have one glove on the opposite hand oh yeah and his career oh and
1: yeah anytime someone does something like that it's just like nope you're you're done
0: but he was arguably like a passive participant in that he didn't do he didn't publicly do the salute he you know just kind of bowed his head like he was supportive but he's like yeah, he's like I'm not getting part- involved in this he wasn't participating in the demonstration which is fine you know but he still suffered the consequences and I think even recently there was there was a movement to like get him recognized or reinstate him in the national like running association or whatever it is and Australia was like nah. oh
1: oh fuck you yeah, like they're like they're
0: still being dicks to him like I love
1: you Australia but come on That's so stupid.
0: Which like hashtag not all Australians and we definitely do that in the United States, but it's like, oh my God. He as far as history goes, this man did the right thing. Yeah. And we need to fucking acknowledge it and let let the pettiness go.
1: Right. So I, I agree.
0: So her doing that, especially in defiance of Hitler. The military occupation. Yeah. I, they could have. They could have shot her right then and there.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, people had been killed for less. That's definitely yeah
0: a thing. Wow. Yeah. Also, I want to point out, and and I'm sorry. After this, I'm going to stop interrupting. No, but you were talking about how there's there, there are supply shortages and yeah. there's not enough food and this and that. And I'm like, there are athletes who spend so much money on the right protein and the right diet and you know everything's so regimented she is not probably even getting the basic nutrition that she needs let alone the nutrition she needs for her for this level of athletic performance oh yeah and she's still breaking world records like that blows my fucking mind
1: it blows my mind and I'm like are
0: you okay
1: like yeah (laughs) is your body going to be okay (laughs) you know what I mean like because I'm just like oh that just sounds like it wouldn't be good for your body.
0: Like, what demons are you running from so fervently? <laughs>
1: right? <laughs> but, yeah. So I love that, yeah, there was this, like, major act of defiance from from the team because it's it is, like, it's just, it can be so powerful for a nation to see their athletes doing that. And what I was going to say was, yeah, like, You have these athletes using their stage for purposes that are good to boost morale, to join people together, to do all these different things because they do have that national stage. And they do it sometimes knowing, you know, like there have been times where I'm trying to remember there was there was another thing that someone did at an Olympics game. And they they said after, they were like, I I knew it was the end of my career, but it was something I had to do anyways. And I can't remember who it was.
0: I think it takes a lot of bravery, too, because, uh, you you know, people will be speaking at the Oscars or at the Super Bowl or these very public venues, and maybe then they'll make a political statement, and people are like, don't make it political. Well, first of all, literally every single thing in our lives are political. Like it's
1: already political.
0: So, so it's kind of like, what kind of person are you? Like, what does it say about you if you're not brave enough to take this fleeting, perhaps once in a lifetime chance to have a country or a world watching you and you don't stand up for what's
1: right? You know right. what I mean?
0: Even if it's just in a demonstrative way.
1: Yeah, even if it is just wearing your national symbol on your jersey.
0: Yeah, it's like, how can you pass that up and then not have the regret for the rest of your life?
1: Oh, God, I would.
0: I. I See, this is why I'm never going to be famous, because I'm like, I don't want to make that decision. <laughs>
1: I, I don't want to do it. Don't make me do it.
0: Don't make me make decisions and moral choices.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, so they did that like as far I didn't look too far into the incident because there there wasn't anything specifically to her that like negative happened after. I'm sure there were consequences. Like it it's hard for me to believe that there wouldn't have been any consequences, but there was nothing like overtly written in the things I read about her besides like hey, they they did this in an act of defiance. Yeah. Um so the winter after that, um in the netherlands is known as as the the hunger winter or the hunger winter it's one word in their language which i think is kind of cool but it's is known that, as the hunger winter
0: is that one of the uh like sequels or light novels to the hunger games series
1: no i mean it definitely could be dystopian um but basically this is when yeah they were essentially starving out the netherlands this was incredibly severe not only like a severe winter but there was almost no food particularly in the big cities like where they had the larger populations because they just weren't getting it and there just wasn't enough for the amount of people some of the people in the country were having a little bit easier time because they had a little bit more freedom to like grow their own food or or stuff right. like that but the big cities were really struggling um during this time fanny would actually have another child um this one was this was a daughter Named uh, Fenicky, And oh. in contrast to when she had Jan Junior, um, she actually ended up taking seven months off from athletics and did very minimal training during that time. And so I think that really just shows how much substance her body didn't have. You I was know, gonna like, say
0: because she's starving and just gave birth to a child.
1: Yeah, that she's like, you know what, I've i she's probably like, I've already pushed my body too far. And I just can't.
0: And now she has like her she has a family of four. You know, what little food that they had has gotten even smaller and they have to make it go further. Yeah. Yeah, she can't she she physically and financially she can't afford to fuel her body even i I imagine even in a basic way like I'm not saying like oh fuel it for athletics like I I think they're they're all starving
1: right exactly like there is no yeah like there's just no option like you are who you like un- unless you're probably on Hitler's side, you're not gonna get any more food than anyone else right so I mean we we know eventually the world War two ends. And eventually, things start kind of getting back to normal. Yay!
0: (laughs) Yay! Hitler's dead. Um, Yeah, exactly.
1: The first major Hitler's dead. Exactly. Fanny would go back to competing as things opened up, and one of the or the first major international event that happened after World War II was the 1946 European Championships that were held in Oslo, Norway. So this was like the first time that like. Europe was like let's get together let's you know like as countries that went through this yeah, yeah, and survived yeah. you know like let's have some friendly competition
0: um what a what an intense event that must have been because everyone is just so deeply traumatized and you're you're coping with the aftermath of this horrible horrible war and you're trying to reestablish a sense of normalcy but also create opportunities for t- healing and togetherness and cooperation because everyone is just so desperate. Oh yeah.
1: Like I can't even imagine like what it must have felt like there after just this like probably relief of like we can do this again and yeah. probably this like fear too of like is it going to happen again?
0: <laughs> oh my god, yeah, cuz no one thought it would would ever happen again.
1: Yeah, like there's a reason you know they they called World War One the Great War because they were like this is never going to happen again like this is too horrible why would it ever happen again? Oh. How the wrong players. they were! <laughs> <laughs> like um, I know
0: that I know that our generation constantly jokes about World War Three. Like oh it's you know this year it's going to be World War Three, but I think that's just because we're all so painfully aware that like it could, it really could happen be. Anyway. <laughs> Like, it totally could be. And I think all of us are just going to be like, I'm not, I'm not even fucking surprised.
1: Right. Like, it it isn't going to come as a big surprise to us because we are just, we're not like bracing for it per se, but we're just kind of like, it's coming at some point. Yeah. During our lifetime.
0: This is why we're also so like, have you ever heard of like, um, I think it's like optimistic nihilism where you're like. <laughs> Nothing really matters, so why wouldn't I be nice? You know, you're 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 being nice because like if nothing matters in the end, why wouldn't you take the opportunity to be nice in the moment? It's yeah. So I feel like that's why we're all so like, the world's a nightmare, let's go get coffee. (laughs) (sighs) The world's a nightmare, let's, you know, leave a penny, let's donate to our favorite causes because everything is falling apart and I need to feel good about something.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like something needs to change. Kay, thanks. Um, so during this this championship, the the first day was kind of a disappointment for Fanny. She in the hundred meter semifinals, um, which was held during the high jump competition, so she had to choose. Um, and they
0: do that at track and field, though. Like the whole like. Everything is going at once.
1: Yeah, but it does suck, like particularly when they know they have people competing in both when they're like, just so you know. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck you. I know I used to compete in track and field. It sucked. (laughs) And then I was just like, I'm just doing track.
0: You know, not all of us have the problem where we're good at multiple things and have to make choices.
1: (laughs) I never said I was good at it. I just said (laughs) I did it. There's a difference, Emily. (laughs) Um. Anyways, but she competed in the, the hundred meter semifinals, but she fell during the run and failed to qualify for the finals. Um, and she did
0: her bottle of wine shatter everywhere, and she was super <laughs> embarrassed.
1: She she was super embarrassed and she got up and she was like, I'm going to compete in the high jump final because obviously like the hundred meter is a pretty quick race. So she was like, I still have time. And so oh even though she was covered in bruises, she went and did the high jump competition, but she ended in fourth. OK, so not not a great first day for Fanny.
0: I will say like as embarrassing as my incident was, I can't imagine tripping in my event. On a world stage like that.
1: I would kind of want (laughs) to die. I would curl up into a ball
0: and will my body to just shut down. Like, nope, nope, we're done. Yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. But then that she's like, okay, I'm going to go do this other thing real quick.
1: Yeah, I know. She's like, I hurt, but I'll be right back. (laughs) So, yeah, she did that. And that was day one of this competition. Day two when actually better, was was much more successful. She won the 80-meter hurdles event and led the Dutch t- uh, relay team to victory in the, the 4x100. So she, so she came back. No no record-breaking, but some wins. Yay. <laughs> Good for her. Right? Like, she, she's still getting some stuff done. So as one of the top female athletes in the Netherlands at the time... Um, and I say that because in 1947, she won um, national titles in six different women's events. I think that can definitely place her as a leading athlete <laughs> at the time. Um, Fanny was basically assured a place on the post-war Olympics team that was going to be held in London. They were like, yeah, like, you're basically one of our best track and field females. Like, yeah, you're, of course you're going to go. Yeah. Um. However, after her experience in Norway, she was like, "Okay, I'm not going to do all of the events that I have been doing in the past. Like, it's a it's a bit much.
0: Yeah. She's like, I'm going to focus on being really good at a few things instead of trying to be good at everything. Right.
1: So she she dropped herself down to just four events. She did the high jump or she dropped to the high jump and the long jump. To concentrate on... So basically, she dropped the field and only did track. Okay. Because she did the 100 meter, the 200 meter, the 80 meter hurdles, and the 4 by 100 meter relay. Also, at this time, competition rules prevented an athlete from competing in more than three individual track and field events anyways, so she would have been limited anyways. I wonder, I wonder why that is. Um, I don't know if it's still a rule, but it was back then, and I wonder if it's just to try to give more athletes opportunity to compete yeah instead of like one athlete competing in every event (laughs) that that's my only like thought on it um i bet it's a scheduling nightmare otherwise yeah so in the months leading up to the olympics she was doing really well she beat her own 80 meter hurdles world record which was one of the six world records she held at the time and even though she was still beating records, journalists were questioning whether or not she should even be competing. She was 30 years old. And of course, that is far too old for a woman to be an athlete. Um, she's married, she has children. And they're kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? And to the point where even the British people were like getting on her. So um, the British athletic team's manager, a man named Jack Crump, um, said, quote, She's too old to make the grade.
0: The bitch just beat her own world record. Right. Sit down and kindly shut the fuck up. Right. So Charlie is in my lap right now. And even he's he's looking at the camera. He's kind of doing that like office like side eye where they look at the camera and they're like, are you fucking serious? What the fuck
1: (laughs) are you doing?
0: Yeah. Even Charlie is
1: like, this is bullshit. And I'm a tiny dog. That's funny. Um, so in the Netherlands, they were less concerned with her age and more concerned with the fact that she should be home. You know, tending to her family.
0: I love Which- how like an entire country gets to decide what a woman should be doing and should be
1: focusing on. I I don't know. I, I'm one of those people that I'm just like, whatever. Like, I mean, like I, I'm mad about it, but at the same time, I'm just like, I'm I
0: whatever. Like, I don't think it, I don't think either of us are surprised. I think we're we're angry and there's like disdain, the yes. but we're also just like tired of hearing this shit. Yeah. Especially I think that because, is exactly it. And especially because like this is the kind of shit that you still hear. Yeah. Ugh. Okay, go on. So everyone's like, Yeah, basically. Everyone's Um, whining and bitching. Yeah,
1: which is like, really?
0: But but not in the cool way like
1: we do it. (laughs) Yeah. So she didn't listen. She went to the Olympics anyways, because good on her. Um, And in her first competition, which was the 100 meters, she qualified easily for the semifinals. And then in the semifinals, she set the fastest time of like everyone competing. The final uh, was held on a on a day that was muddy and rainy and just kind of, like, gross. Um, but she ran beautifully. She ran it in 11.9 um, seconds, which, remember, her record was 11 seconds, so not much behind her regular time. Yeah. Um, and she easily beat her opponents, Dorothy Manley and Shirley Strickland, who respectively took second and third. So that's her first gold medal of this Olympics. So first like, first event, be, gold medal.
0: I know it would be really rude to her fellow competitors. Um, but I really I, I have I just have it in my head that she she like crosses the finish line, she's just like got her middle fingers up in the air, like, fuck everyone who thought I should be home.
1: Right? God, that's and what I that want to do. That women shouldn't
0: be able to do this.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that it's just like, yeah, it makes me so mad when people are like that because I'm just like are you fucking kidding me yeah she
0: showed them though
1: yeah she did all the more sweet and she just kind of kept rolling Um, so first of all um, her winning the gold medal in that event made Fanny the first Dutch athlete to win an Olympic title in athletics period full stop The Wait. Dutch didn't do very well in the Olympics up until this point.
0: Oh, so she hadn't won any at like that previous Olympics?
1: No, she got like 4th both times. Oh, okay. She's she's won other international or like European titles, okay. but she's she's never when she competed in the other Olympics, she got 4th in both of her events and then the Olympics after that was canceled because of the war.
0: Yeah. I, You know, she's winning so much, I'm having I know, you a hard time about keeping it. track of, like, the specific event or organization under which she won. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: That's super cool. Sorry. I'm just like, but tell me clunk, again clunk. why women can't run. Right? Because their the uteruses place. are going to fall out. You lost, know what? Let it. Nose.
0: I'm not using it.
1: Right? You can have it.
0: You can just—I'm going to throw it at my competition and slow them down. Yeah, it's my—it's like Squid's ink. Yeah, exactly. I shed my iris and throw it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
0: someone draw that, please.
1: <laughs> so even though like that was a big achievement, Fanny wasn't concerned about it. She was more focused on her next event, which was the 80 meter hurdles. Her chief opponent of the day was Marine Gardner, who. I meant to look up, so I'll look up now as we're talking. But Maureen was also coached by her husband, so I'm assuming um, she was a Dutch athlete. Oh, no, she was a British athlete. I looked it up. Um, who was also an 80-meter hurdle runner, but she was also coached by Jan and had equaled um Fanny's world record in the 80 meters in the prior Olympic Games, um and she was running for her home crowd. She's a British athlete running in London. Yeah. So, you know, Fanny's is like Fanny's like, "Oh god, like she kind like cuz they've talked about before like sometimes having the ho- the home crowd advantage can actually be a huge advantage." Um and so Fanny was like kind of was nervous, you know? Like she's like, "Ah, this is like if I'm going to lose, this is probably going to be where I lose."
0: Well, and this is this is the part of the movie where you know, I, I imagine she's had this friendly rivalry with Maureen, probably and, you know because I'm sure they've trained together, they know each other, and I, I'm sure there's admiration there, but yeah, it's like they're each other's biggest competition, and Fanny is confronting her on her own turf right on exactly a world stage like like this is this is the the climax of the movie. It all comes down to this one race. Exactly. Like, this is it, guys,
1: girls, After ladies. Everyone's
0: been telling her you can't do this and you shouldn't do it.
1: Yeah. Hold on. I got these. Super cute. So um, they started the race and um, this is the final. So both of them made it through to the finals and they start the race and Fanny gets off to a bad start. Later in an interview, Fanny said that she thought there had been a false start, so she didn't like start right away because she was like, "Oh, we're gonna reset." Not, but the, no, there wasn't, unfortunately. However, she was able to pick up the pace and was able to, I guess, hurdle better than Marine and was able to pass her. Um, the two kept very close until the finish line, to the point where when they finished, no one was actually quite sure who won. Like they finished so close together that they're like. Uh, luckily there was photo finishes at this time. You but... changed the outcome by measuring it. exactly. But, um, like soon after they finished the British national anthem started playing. So like, understandably, um, Fanny was like, Oh God, I lost like that. This sucks. But it turns out actually that, uh, the British Royal family had just entered the stadium and it's customary for them to play the, like the, the anthem as the British, the, the Royal family shows up. Oh, um, okay. yeah. And. Obviously, like because there had to be an examination of the photo finish, so like the, the it wasn't like oh clearly someone won like immediately, but of course like that's probably what I would have thought too. Um, so they examined the finish, the photo finish, and it showed very clearly actually that Fanny was in the, in the lead over Marine, although they technically finished at the same t- like with the same time. Mer- she was a she was ahead, so. She like, finished because
0: you can even get to like a 10th of a millisecond. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So they technically like because they they rounded up to second like point zero. So it was 11.2 seconds is what they ran. They both ran. Wow. See,
0: that's a great end to the movie. Right. But then they like still respect and love each other. Exactly.
1: Like, like they give they gave each other hugs on the podium. It's beautiful. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, my God. That is so cool.
1: I don't know if that actually happened, but that's what should have happened. Her story had canon definitely happened. Um, I want this movie. So that's two events, two gold medals for Fanny. Her next event was um, the 200-meter, and it was actually held the day after the the finals. or the, So the semifinals for the 200-meter was held the day after the 80-meter hurdle final. Um, however, she almost, Fanny almost didn't show up because shortly before the race started, she had a breakdown because she, she was homesick. She's like, I miss my husband. I miss my kids. I miss the Netherlands. Like, this is really hard for me, which I get. Like, I'm like, yeah, you were just probably like, I I think of like COVID and how a lot of people had, had a hard time being away from home for a long period of time after COVID because you just get so used to being at home. And I feel like the war was probably like that.
0: Well, and I was going to say too, like, she's traumatized
1: oh, God, yeah. from the
0: war. Everyone is, and everyone is dealing with it in a different way. And I, I like that, th- that doesn't surprise me. And like, not only are you away from home, but you're competing at the top of your sport. It's really intense, it's incredibly emotional. I mean, can you imagine what it would feel like? After that race to wait for them to figure out who won. Like you're like, I don't even care. I just want to know so I can move on. Like it would just be I think it was probably a lot of emotions just coming out at once.
1: Yeah, I would have I would have fucking hated it.
0: I I don't like competing. (laughs) It stresses me out. That's why when I play board games or like cards or something, I'm like, this is pretty, I'm gonna do this.
1: That's funny. You're like, I don't care if this is what I'm supposed to do.
0: Yeah, like I played Wingspan and I'm like, I'm just going to play the birds that I think are cool, which ends up being a lot of crows. <laughs> or ones, are, or like tits and boobies.
1: Yeah. Those are fun ones. I
0: have the most inappropriate board at the end of the game, which means I win. I mean, yeah, of course it does. <laughs> Spiritually, I win.
1: So um luckily she was able to like talk with her husband and had a really long talk with her husband and she was like, Okay, no, you know what, I'm here, I'm gonna run. And she she managed to make it to the semifinal, qualified for the final easily, um, went to the final, which again on a it was on a different day than the hundred meter final, but it was another like rainy, shitty day because no offense, England, it rains there a lot. <laughs>
0: They're like we know
1: exactly. They're like yeah, we it's a, it's, it's a thing.
0: <laughs> Let's not pretend it's anything other than that. That's why the Beatles "Here Comes the Sun" was so popular. Is <laughs> the one time a month? It's the sun. Oh my god!
1: And so yeah, after after a long a long talk with her husband, she easily qualified. And on August sixth, like I said, it was it was raining again. It's terrible. Um, however, apparently this was the inaugural Olympic two hundred meter for women hadn't been either hadn't been run before or hadn't been run like in modern Olympics for women at least. Yeah. Um, And Fanny ran a 24.4 second. 200 meters, seven tenths of a second ahead of the second place runner, Audrey Williamson. Oh my God. But that seven tenths of a second is still the largest margin of victory in an Olympic 200 meter final. That is insane,
0: and like when we were t- when we're talking about for sprinting, how the margin of error is so low. This is what we're talking about. It is seven tenths low. of a second is like a lap ahead. Yeah, like it's insane.
1: Um, so yeah, Audrey Williamson finished second, and Audrey Patterson finished in third, becoming the first African American woman to win an Olympic medal. Just to throw that in there. Oh, cool. Um, so. Three things, three gold medals so far for Fanny. She has one event left. Her last event was the the team event, the 4x100, and it was held the same day as the track and field competitions, which thank God she wasn't competing in the field competition, so she didn't have to worry about it. So the Dutch team that she was a part of consisted of Zania Stade de Jong, Nettie Witzers Timmer, Gerda van der Kade Kudish, and then Fanny. Blankers Cohen. And um, they qualified for the final just fine. But just before the final, no one could find Fanny. Oh, no. Yeah. Apparently, she had gone out shopping for a raincoat and kind of like, I don't know if she like lost track of time or like <laughs> the buses were wrong. But yeah, she had gone out to buy a raincoat because it rains a lot. And no, so no one could find her. Luckily, she made it in t- like just in time for the race to get started she she was the last runner, which makes sense because, like, usually you put your best sprinter last so that if you're behind, you can hopefully catch up.
0: Yeah. Also, I, I haven't identified with Fanny a lot throughout the story except when she tripped and fell. And now when she was late for her own raise, I'm like, Fanny, I get you. Yep. I fucking get that you. That would have been me,
1: too. Don't worry.
0: <laughs> I, I was also late one time. When I was visiting London, I was late for hostel checkout, and I, hilarious. I got back, and the other students on the trip like had my crap in a garbage bag, and they're like, where were you? I'm like, I was coming back from the ER. What time is it? Oh, my God. It was, yeah, it was embarrassing.
1: I mean, I'm glad they um, got it for you, I guess. like Yeah,
0: yeah. It was just awkward to carry.
1: You're like, thanks. <laughs> Why'd you put it in gloves. a garbage bag? <laughs>
0: It's fine anyway so she was why late, did they she put she it in a it? garbage
1: bag <laughs> actually I have questions I, I'm
0: trying to think if maybe I had my bag with me like I don't know how I I don't remember how I packed
1: <laughs> okay anyways we'll, we'll keep going so she made it she ran last um she took the baton from the third place person or she took over the, when she took over the baton the Dutch team was in third place about five meters behind the Australian and Canadian teams um However, or not however, in spite of the Australian and Canadian teams doing really well handoffs, she was able to catch up with their last place runners, crossing the line a tenth of a second before the Australian woman to score a gold medal.
0: This is insane. She shows up late for the race because she was out like twice shopping.
1: almost. One time because she was homesick, one time because she was buying a raincoat.
0: Yeah, and then... They're in third place, and she's like, I got this, and just like zooms them into first. Like, that is insane to me.
1: Yeah. I think it's great, also, though.
0: In the movie, the way I'm imagining this is that she runs onto the track in her new raincoat and then just grabs the baton and goes. Yeah. <laughs> like, she ran from the store to the stadium and then ran the rest of the race
1: exactly she's like fuck 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 and just like runs what? onto the track she still has the bag with the raincoat in it <laughs> that'd be hilarious
0: i'm sorry i saw it was at selfridge's buying a raincoat And
1: ah! <laughs> just like panics just, like
0: you and the jack sparrow run with the with the selfridge bag <laughs>
1: oh that's funny God
0: damn it i know that's not what happened i know. that's what i wish happened
1: so fanny won all four of the, th- the events she competed in, and there's only nine um, women's events. There was only nine women's events in the 1948 Olympics, so she won almost half of them. Oh, my God. Um, she competed in 11 heats total and finals within eight days. She was the first woman to win four Olympic gold medals, and she achieved that feat. So she won four Olympic gold medals in a single Olympics. Uh, when the press talked about her, they had many nicknames for her. Some of them were the Flying Housewife, the Flying Dutch Ma'am, or the Amazing, ah! fanny, the, the amazing fanny. Personally, the I like the Flying fanny. Housewife. I'm like, <laughs> I I mean, the Flying Dutch Ma'am is pretty good, too. I'm that, like, that, that's uh, whoever did Amazing ball. Fanny, I was like, no, you dropped the ball. Like...
0: I, I have to say, though, because Fanny means something very different. I know, but in it's, it's. I do kind of like the amazing Fanny.
1: I don't. I like, well, I mean, like I do, but I like the other ones better.
0: I do. The Flying Housewife is good. Yeah. Even though nowhere in this story have I ever gotten the impression that she is, is a housewife? Yeah. A housewife. Um, She's so. A wife. Yeah. She I presu- presumably has a home.
1: So all of, all of that was obviously by international presses but when she did come home she came home to uh, like a carriage and a, she was r- r- ridden through the cities pulled by white horses she received like praise and gifts um the city of Amsterdam gave her a bicycle saying th- so she could go through life at a slower pace and so she need not run so much Oh my I'm like, god Oh my that god, that god that's so kind of adorable cute. That
0: is the cutest shit I have ever heard also Amsterdam is very bikeable. Oh yeah, so 100%. That makes sense. Here um, you would have to have a car.
1: <laughs> exactly. So, Queen Juliana, who I think was Queen of the Netherlands at the time, I I assume. Mm-hmm. Cuz I was like, I didn't look that up, but I I made an assumption. Um gave her the Order of the Orange Na- Nassau. Um and that's basically an award for meritorious service to the state or the royal house. Um basic I don't know which which order she got, because there's actually like a bunch of different orders. Cause this is you can either be a knight, grand cross, a grand officer, commander, an officer, or a knight. And I don't know which one she got. So that's the thing. But she well, got one. Say she oh got no, she really she made her a knight. Battle. She was a knight.
0: Oh, that's cool.
1: Uh yeah. So after the Olympics, she was obviously known all over the world at the time, and Fanny received a lot of offers for endorsements, to be an advertisement, to do stunts, like all of this stuff. However, there was a very strict amateurism rule in force at the time, I think through the Olympics. Um, So she had to turn down most of the offers. However, about two weeks after doing the Olympics, she did um, do like a little like race essentially for about 35,000 spectators. Um, and tied her 100-meter world record of 10.8 seconds on a grass track.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: After that, she would travel abroad to promote women's athletics, flying to Australia and the United States, giving talks and stuff like that, which I think is great. Um, In 1948, she was chosen as the Helms Athletic Foundation World Trophy winner for Europe. And um, she also traveled to Los Angeles to try to compete in the Los Angeles Coliseum relays. That's pretty cool. So
0: she's so like she's she I I'm imagining she's been a celebrity in her field and in in the athletic world. But now she's like kind of more of a household name celebrity. So she's like traveling the world. And really, it's kind of like I'm sure there are better ice skaters. Right. Especially now. But like, I know Michelle Kwan's name.
1: Yeah, exactly. The it's... Swimmers,
0: we know Michael Phelps. And so she's kind of achieving that level of celebrity now.
1: Exactly. So she did have one controversial episode during her career. Um, and this is kind of like a long winded one. And it's kind of controversial about her, more just controversial in general. But I still wanted to bring it up because, you know, the whole warts thing just, you know. Yeah. So in 1950, there was a controversy involving one of Fanny's competitions and competitors in particular. So um, in 1949, a new talent in the sprinting world kind of came up, and they were an uh, they were a Dutch sprinter named. Um, I should have looked up how to pronounce her name too. Uh, I think it's like Fioke Dilemma. So I'm just going to call her Dilemma because I know how to pronounce that, is- that last name. That is
0: the coolest last name ever.
1: So um, she had made her breakthrough. And in 1950, she broke the national record in the 200 meter. um, And journalists were already kind of calling her like, oh, the new fanny and stuff like that. You know, like, obviously, she's a younger woman and all this stuff. So that year, Dilemma was the first subject of the International Association of Athletic Federation's mandatory sex verification policy. And was subjected to a sex test, the details of which have never been released. Dilemma had never talked about it publicly. Um, So, like, no one really knows what it was. It was probably terrible, let's be honest.
0: This poor woman.
1: Um, As a result, she was expelled by the Dutch Athletics Federation, even though they never released, like, their findings or anything like that. She was barred from Dutch athletics from the rest of her life, and the 200-meter record that she broke was erased. What the fuck? In 2007, um, Dilemma would die. And after her death, a forensic test on her body cells attained from her clothing, which I'm like, is that even legal? Um, Found that there was a Y chromosome in her DNA. However, that most likely indicated that she was probably like intersex or hermaphroditic or like whatever word you want to use.
0: Yeah. Intersex, which doesn't make you a good athlete though. No,
1: exactly. Um, There. And so the reason like I, this is in Fanny's biographies is that there are other people at the time, other women on the Dutch team and other just people that suspect that maybe Jan and Fanny had something to do with, like, reporting her to the Federation for the sex testing to essentially eliminate an opponent. Although Fanny has never said anything about this. No one's ever been able to confirm it, but there was a lot of rumors around that maybe Jan and Fanny took out some competition.
0: So it kind of sounds okay, so first of all, what what happened to Dilemma?
1: Horrible.
0: just fucking awful like this is this is so oh a woman does really well so we have to you know yeah there right? must be something going on and here's the thing men are never subjected to that kind of thing
1: no and it's stupid
0: they're never subjected to like well you produce more testosterone than the average man therefore you can't compete yeah but i don't know it unless there like it feels like there's a piece missing in this puzzle either these were just vicious rumors because they were equating dilemma to fanny and like usurping her as you know the the great dutch runner or like there might be information we don't know about but just the way the way that you're telling it it just kind of sounds like shitty
1: rumors
0: you know what i mean
1: yeah no there, i there's nothing, i definitely agree
0: cuz there's nothing in Fanny's story that would lead me to believe that she would do something underhanded or even feel threatened. Like it seems like she thrived on competition. Right.
1: That that's kind of how I took it as well. Um, but yeah, like I I put it in here because other a lot of the other like articles that you find about Fanny kind of mention like hey there was some controversy, but I I'm definitely on the same same wing legs as you are. Like I don't see her doing that because even when she did lose she never seemed like vindictive about it she was just kind of like damn that sucks
0: check the footage or sex test that person like I don't know it just seems it seems a little odd that something like that only came up this late in her career
1: right when she's almost out of the game anyways like yeah I agree like I'm just like "Eh, I don't know if I agree
0: I I I margin of error there might be something that we don't know but just from the story that you've told I have a hard time believing that
1: yeah but yeah that's where it is so
0: I I appreciate you including that because obviously we you know we don't want to just omit that for the sake of like protecting Fanny's reputation
1: right exactly and that's that's why I wanted to put it in here in case someone like hears it and they're like well she did this didn't she and it's like well we we don't know technically like
0: yeah and that that's that's the tricky thing and this isn't like um oh my god oh my god i can't believe i'm blanking on it. uh tanya harding oh yeah where it's like okay there was serious harm done and like an attack was definitely a, a crime was definitely committed here yeah and we're just trying to figure out how involved she was
1: <laughs> right know? like we know she did something and yeah we're we... it's more of a like yeah what did she do versus it's did like, she do for, it
0: yeah for tanya harding it's like how involved was she versus this where it's like well maybe she tipped people off or maybe she didn't but also i like how i i guess i'm curious as to how she would even get that kind of information cuz i imagine i mean even even nowadays uh being intersex first of all a lot of people don't even know it because it's something that uh that like infants will get surgery for to quote unquote correct. Yeah. And then they grow up and they're like, why do I feel this way when my genitals are this way? And then they find out that they were born intersex. But then also it's not something a lot of people are very open about, especially in the 1950s. Yeah. So I don't know. it, It doesn't entirely add up for me, but I'm glad you included it.
1: Cool. I'm glad I included it too. Um, so after that though, um, Fanny went on to keep competing for a little, a uh, few more years. She almost repeated her Olympic, um, performance at the European Championships. She won three of her four, um, competitions with fairly large margins of victory, but um, did not uh, win the the four by one hundred meter relay with her team. The British won that one, but they came in second. At the age of 34, she would take place in her third Olympics, which were held in Helsinki this time. And although she was in good physical condition, she had a skin boil at the time that was like that really hampered her because I, I didn't, again, didn't look too much into it, but that's what it said. Like, it was like, yeah, yeah, she wasn't doing too well. So I'm assuming it was probably like on a leg or like someplace that impacted her running ability. Because like if it's on somewhere that it doesn't matter, it's not going to impact you. If it's impacting you, it's probably somewhere that matters. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, because it's like a, it's like a staff bacterial infection. Yeah, and
1: they're not fun.
0: They it can be. I mean, obviously there's a there's a spectrum, but those can be pretty pretty nasty.
1: Yeah, and so she was struggling with a skin boil, and she qualified for the hundred meter semifinals, um, but forfeited the hundred meter so that she could do the hurdles. She reached the final in the hurdles, but she would knock over one of her hurdles and abandon the race. Um, And this was her like last major competition. Um, In running, she did go on to do one um, shot put, like a shot put title, which I was like, that's kind of out of nowhere. But on August 7th, 1955, um, she won a national shot put title. Which I'm like, I mean, that's what her dad competed in. So maybe it was something that, like she did for fun. But I was just like, all right. Um, that was apparently yeah. her her 58th Dutch title, though.
0: Oh, my God.
1: So. Yeah, girls won a lot.
0: Absolutely insane. She's only 34 years old. Like, I know the, the lifespan of a professional athlete is pretty. Pretty flash in the pan quick, but still. Oh, yeah. That I mean that that's incredible. She did more in her three four years than I will probably do in my entire lifetime, um, and she's not done. She's gonna keep doing stuff.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Like it's it's one of those things that it definitely like yeah. She's she's definitely not done, which is interesting. But so after her athletic career. Um, Fanny would serve as the team leader of the Dutch athletics team for both the 1958 European Championship and the 1968 Summer Olympics. Um, In 1977, Jan would pass away, and eventually a few years after his death, she would move back to her hometown. In 1981, um, the Netherlands established the Fanny Blankers Cone Games um, which is actually an international athletics event for, like, people to come and compete, which I think is still super cool, and they are still held annually in the Netherlands.
0: Oh, that's awesome!
1: Um, So she did have one, like, last moment of glory, as a lot of the articles I read put it, Um, but in, in 1999, she went to a gala in Monaco, which was organized by the International Association of Athletics Foundation, or Federation, and she was declared the female athlete of the century. Wow. She was so surprised to have won that she actually, like, asked people around her, like, you, you mean it, I won?
0: She she has to, like, quadruple check because yeah, she's like, "Wait, she wait. goes up and gives a speech, she doesn't want someone else being there being like, um...
1: Yeah, how, how embarrassing. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, my God, that's so cool. Yeah, so, like... I, I like she is being recognized like the, we don't always see that with the women we cover that like people being recognized while they're alive. Um yeah. so I think it's really good that she is being recognized while she's alive, but yeah, so that was a thing. Um in the years before her death, um Fanny would suffer from Alzheimer's and sometime in her her life as she was older, she would go deaf as well. She would live out her later years in a psychiatric nursing home and would die at the age of eighty five in two thousand
0: and four uh, um Al- alzheimer it's Alzheimer's and those like neurodegenerative conditions are they're just they're so, sad. so terrible. It's just so sad like, um, like she lived, she lived a great and fulfilling life, but yeah, that's just a really sad way for her to go out.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And um a year before her death, um a biography was published on Fanny called um A Queen with Men's Legs. Obviously it was in Dutch, but that's the translation. <laughs> um which I find funny. Um it was by a journalist named uh Kees um and he did it like through uh, interviews with relatives and friends and athletes and basically all these people and it it paints it paints like a previously unknown picture of her home life, you know, because like so much of Fanny is, um, what, what you saw when she was competing, you know, there was, there wasn't a lot about her home life. And so this was able to delve into both her professional and personal life. Um, and it found out, um, well, first of all, like when the media did portray her, you know, it was as, you know, like uh, the perfect mother and the flying housewife and like all this stuff, Um, and yeah, like a lot of, or like the stuff in newspapers when she would compete was like, oh, she's a, she's a modest woman and you know, yeah, she, she just cares about running her house and stuff like that. Whereas through his interviews, um, Keys actually found out that she, she wasn't a super affectionate person. Like she wasn't like a bad mother per se, but like she wasn't really affectionate and she really did like competing and winning. Like athletics and competing was her life like yes she cared about her children and she cared about the athletics as well
0: but this this idea of her being the perfect 50s housewife was well, not also accurate running was fictional yeah because they just needed her to be this picture of of femininity
1: yeah because, yeah, like, especially when once you have kids, it is just like there's just that expectation of, yeah, like, you you need to be the perfect mother now. And it's like, no, that's not that's not how this works. Yeah.
0: Also, what about my husband who also has a career related to sports? Are we worried about him being the perfect father?
1: Right. And so, um, I mean, the, the biography was still really well received and... um there, there was an autobiography that said it was written by Fanny and her husband, but I, like, couldn't find anything about it, so I don't know if it was just, like, never published. Mm-hmm. Um, her personal record for the 100 meter, that 11.5 seconds uh, running, um, wasn't broken for 62 years. It was finally broken in May 2012, or
0: 2010. Oh, my God. Yeah.
1: So obviously throughout her life, she won a lot of different awards and tributes. She won Dutch Athlete of the Year three times. She won uh, the Associated Press's Female Athlete of the Year. I talked about getting a Knight of the Order of the Orange. She became a Royal Dutch Athletics Federation honorary member. She, be, she won that Female Athlete of the 20th Century. And then she got um, into the Hall of the International Athletics Association Federation, whatever, Hall of Fame. In 2012, after she passed. Um, the NOC NSF, which I had to look up what that is. It's literally NOC star NSF, but it, it is the um, Dutch Olympic Committee and the Dutch Sports Federation that merged together. So basically, it's the Association of All Organized Sports in the Netherlands. Okay. Um but they created the Fanny Blankers-Cohen Career Award to honor the achievements of Dutch sports people. Um, it was first given out in December of 2005. It was given to five people initially and has been given to one person annually since then, which I think is super cool. She was included in the 101 Most Important Dutch Women in a 2004 national poll. She ranked 29th in the like the competition for the Greatest Netherlander. She was the third highest sports person after um, the footballer Johan Cruyff and Marco Van Basten and the seventh highest woman in the whole poll. She's had two public statues cre- uh, made of her. um, And as well as like obviously like several places named in her honor as as happens, you know, like. Um, I love that
0: the Netherlands like loves her.
1: Yeah, like they they definitely do. And I love I love that, too. And then um, there was a Google doodle in April on April 26th of 2018 to celebrate her 100th birthday.
0: Yay! Oh, my God, that's so cool. I really I really love like like you said, there are a lot of women that we cover who are almost rediscovered yeah later and recognized um but she it seems like she was very much honored and loved during her life and even now like like at least in the
1: Netherlands yes
0: they love her they claim her they celebrate her and then even just on the world stage that's super right because cool. I was like
1: I have never I've never heard of her but no. yeah like clearly <laughs> the people in the Netherlands love her and I and I, I do like that and like we've said multiple times and I will always say like we're from America we don't always know international people um and so yeah like I'm not I'm not saying that she was a forgotten person I'm just saying she's someone that not everyone's going to know
0: to be fair you and I like we engaged in sports growing up I wouldn't I wouldn't describe either of us as particularly sporty
1: I'm offended Emily
0: like I'm still I still consider people who run um as people who deeply hate
1: themselves which is why I picked it up so but yes that was Fanny Apparently, the person who deeply hated themselves. Kidding.
0: But she loved running. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my god.
1: Hey, guys. We know times have been tough lately for all of us. And during hard times, it can be
0: difficult if you don't have anyone to talk to, or it can be hard to talk about certain topics. Being alone with your thoughts can be isolating. This is why we are sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen to and help you.
1: Talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience.
0: BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Thank goodness.
1: There is a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you access to the help that may not be available in your area. You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess
0: your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is Amazon fast. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential, just like
1: with an in-person therapist. You can request a new therapist at any time at no additional charges. If you want to talk to someone about your mental health, you can get a 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com/herstory. That's betterhelp h e l p dot com slash herstory.
0: Well, thank you for sharing that story. Um mine has a lot less do to do with running and athletics in that it has nothing to do with running or athletics. But it's everyone else's favorite topic, economics. Oh, God. Just kidding. It's I don't know who
1: everyone is in this, oh. but I think you're wrong, <laughs> Emily.
0: There's someone who's like, finally, economics.
1: I don't think that person listens to our podcast.
0: It. They were the person who tuned in hoping it was going to be a serious history lecture, and they were. they decided it was not for them and left a one-star review explaining that it was not for them.
1: Yeah, because, you know... They didn't read our episode descriptions
0: because whining about history is the co- the college course that you sign up for to meet your history credit, and the professor is like a hundred years old and just speaks in a whisper that is made up made scratchy by twenty years of smoking. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so this this woman has been on my list for a bit, but I finally decided to cover her. Because I inadvertently visited her birthplace recently. Oh. Yes. I was very excited. So today I am whining about Lizzie Maggie, inventor of the landlord's game. I've heard of that game. So we've all spent a rainy afternoon testing our personal relationships over a heated <laughs> game of Monopoly. Or in my case, pretending to nap because someone was in the house that was driving you nuts and you needed to fake a coma to get out of interacting with them. From fighting over your favorite game piece, Top Hat Forever, to cursing the lucky bastard who bought both Boardwalk and Park Place, Monopoly is a game of conflict, competition, chance, and cutthroat
1: capitalism. Oh, Ooh.
0: But while also, Monopoly the dog seems- is the best piece. You can have the dog. I want the top hat or the thimble. I love the thimble. But while Monopoly seems to be a celebration of total domination, that's not how it started. Meet Elizabeth Lizzie Maggie, born in Macomb, Illinois. I was just there. What? On May 9th, 1866. Just so fun fact about Macomb. Illinois, um, it's smack dab in the middle of what is known as Forgottonia. So Forgottonia is a region of Western Illinois consisting of 16 counties. And as the name suggests, the citizens of Forgottonia felt forgotten by the federal government.
1: (sighs) Forgottonia. I'm sorry. That's fantastic.
0: It is. no, No, it's amazing. And this really doesn't have a ton to do with her, but everyone needs to know about this. And I need to read more about it. So in the late uh, 1960s to the 70s, Western Illinois was experiencing a lack of regional regional transportation and infrastructure support from the federal government. And it started out as kind of like a tongue-in-cheek title. Everyone's like, well, that's because we live in Forgottonia, you know, the region of the yeah. country that the country forgot. But it turned into a full-blown political exercise. Wow. So this is... This is the funniest shit I have ever heard in my life, and this is the only, like, story of secession that I will fully support. The region of Forgottonia threatened to secede from the U.S., declaring war as the Republic of Forgottonia. And then immediately surrendered, and then, and they, then they were going to, like, petition for foreign aid from the U.S. That's insane. To finally get the U.S. government to, like, support Pay attention them with to them. transportation yeah. infrastructure uh they even made a national flag which was the white flag of surrender
1: <laughs> that is the best thing
0: it is truly the best thing in the world um fortunately it didn't i don't it didn't come to that and the campaign helped to bring attention to the forgotten region. Now in Macomb, there is a brewery named Forgotonia in remembrance of the region's history. Five stars would recommend; it was really good. Nice. They also have T-shirts, and one says Forgotonia University, and that is abbreviated to FU. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah.
0: No, Macomb is Macomb is like a like a university town, and it's it's really it's a small, cute place. They've got like a really cute square that you can walk around. They also have a chicken place called chicks on the square <laughs> and they don't sell chicken tenders.
1: What do they sell?
0: Chicken lips. No, thanks. I'm good. They're delicious. Nope. And the name is horrifying, Um, but it's really good. Like, are they and essentially
1: can, chicken tenders? They're
0: No, they're giant chicken tenders, but they call okay. them chicken okay. lips, which feels unnecessary to me. And I was like, okay, I, I think I, I should have taken a picture, but they had some merch and I'm like, do they just have a sticker that says, like, I heart chicken lips or something? Yeah, right. They had some sweatshirts that said shit like that. I'm like, I'm not wearing that in public. <laughs> I'm like, that, Weak- that's not the kind no, of kidding. attention I want.
1: Weak, can, But I? yeah,
0: if you're in Macomb, check out Forgottonia Brewery and Chicks on the Square. So if you want to learn more about Forgottonia, you can go to visit visitforgottonia.com. Where their slogan is, Unforgettable Forgottonia, Illinois. So, back to the woman I'm actually covering. Are you sure? (laughs) Like, that was worth it. That was totally worth it. It's insane. This Like, history is so fucking mental.
1: Yeah, it is. I will give you that.
0: Lizzie, uh had a very like civic civic nature. And she came by that honestly as her father, James was a newspaper publisher and abolitionist who travel traveled with the then up and coming political giant Abraham Lincoln ever heard of him. No. So her father is travel traveling with Abe Lincoln as he's touring Illinois debating Stephen a Douglas, the same. And this is a series of same Lincoln Douglas debates that I mentioned in, I think it was last week's episode.
1: Can you hear Marianne that? What? Zana's howling in the background.
0: Because <laughs> she's like, oh, I, I remember these. Stephen A. Douglas was a great debater, but Abraham Lincoln was the great emancipator. So that means James would well, have also traveled to near nearby Galesburg, Illinois. Connections. Isn't it beautiful? So growing up, Lizzie was an outspoken feminist and Georgist. Inspired by the writings of economist Henry George, the Georgism movement was a progressive economic perspective that promoted a single universal land tax rather than collecting income from income, sales, and other sources. So basically, and then any extra money collected would be distributed back to the people and I'm not an economist, so basically, the goal of Georgism was to promote socioeconomic equality and decrease the financial supremacy that landowners and landlords held over the majority of citizens. And then also, as we know, who got to own land is rooted in sexism and racism. So it's kind of like disrupting that whole power structure. Okay. That makes sense. while Georgism was popular among progressives, Lizzie's belief that women were equal to and capable as and as capable as men in technology and business was considered radical and fringe. They're like, no, no, no. We get that you're into Georges and everything, but women being equal—that's fucking weird. Which you know, things are bad when disrupting the socioeconomic power structure is more acceptable than women also. <laughs> Yep. (laughs) In the 1880s, Lizzie moved to Washington, D.C., likely looking for greater opportunities than the future Republic of Forgottonia could offer. Lizzie worked as a stenographer and typist at the Dead Letter Office in Washington,
1: D.C. I've heard about those before.
0: It's where undeliverable letters go. go, And actually, there was just, oh my God, there was just a thing on the news where it was like an 80-year-old letter I think it was from Illinois or be, yeah, to someone in like North or South Carolina. It just got delivered. Like someone at the local post office came upon it and was like, I think we can figure out where this is supposed to go. Um, so this likely inspired her first invention. In 1893, she filed her first patent for a typewriting machine. And this isn't to say she invented the typewriter, which is what I thought, where I was like, oh, my God, are you fucking serious? Rather, her patent was for a device that would help paper move through the typewriter, typewriter rollers more easily. Huh. That's all the information I could find about it. I don't know if it ever took off. But this was really kind of incredible because so few, like, first of all, this is a time when women can't even vote. Yeah. And so few women have patents, period. Period. So like I said, I couldn't find if anything came of this invention, but it's safe to say that Lizzie wasn't rolling in typewriter dough. As a stenographer, Lizzie was making about $10 a week. And even in the 1800s, this was not enough to support herself. It wasn't that Lizzie just needed a better job or needed to go back to school or something like that. Women were and are chronically underpaid with the expectation that their income is supplemental to a man's. It's not even that their income is being supplemented it's that their income is supplementing someone else yep their income is just chair is just whipped cream on top so as lizzie would later say quote i get ten dollars a week as a stenographer now that is no pay for a woman of ambition i wish to be constructive not a mere mechanical tool for transmitting a man's spoken thoughts to letter paper Lizzie's a fucking radical and I love her and she takes no shit. So Lizzie being the radical she was placed an ad in the newspaper in protest under the headline, young woman, American slave looking for husband to own her. So the point of the ad was Mm. to bring attention to the subservient position of women and people of color in the United States and emphasizing the disproportionate power and freedom that white men had. She later said, quote, I offered to sell myself to the highest bidder for the purpose of meeting some person who could place me where I belong in the rank, ranks of the world's workers. She went on to say, quote, I don't want a husband. I don't want a person who will interest himself in me for personal reasons. I admit I seek an angel, but hmm. I seek a financial one. I ask nothing more than a fair chance. So basically, she's like, I don't want to have to marry someone to advance my career and advance my position in the world. And yeah. she's like, yeah, I'm looking for someone to help me out because that is the social situation I find myself in as a woman. But she's just looking for someone to help her to get to a place where then she can prove to everyone else on her own that she is, she's worthy and that she can work and be independent and support herself and contribute to the economy and all that good stuff. So her ad became a total sensation and was picked up by several newspapers, which actually resulted in her getting a job writing essays about the experiences of women working in cities. And this reminds me, like, it makes me think of, like, a modern-day social media stunt. Like, you know how someone goes viral for something and then they get all these career opportunities? That's kind of what this was for her time. Okay. So the headline in the Washington Post announcing this reads, Odd Elizabeth Maggie will write the doings of city working girls. Young woman who offered herself for sale enters ranks of newspaperdom as writer of essays. I don't know why they called her odd, but that's a choice. So Lizzie was always doing something. If she wasn't writing or working, she was performing or participating in activist organizations. And one such organization was the Women's Single Tax Club of the District of Columbia. And it was at one of these meetings that Lizzie debuted what she called the Landlord's Game. An article in the Evening Star from November 7th, 1903, that reported on different area clubs and like what they were up to, it read... The evening was spent in playing the landlord's game invented by Miss Lizzie J. Maggie, illustrating the economic evils which the single tax is intended to correct. After many amusing experiences with rents, mortgages, stocks and bonds, deeds and franchise legacies, luxuries, poor houses and jails, refreshments were served. Which, like, thank God, that because refreshments I Refreshments were served. I need snacks after going bankrupt. (laughs) So um, Lizzie had already filed a patent on March 23rd, 1903 for the landlord's game. And the patent was granted on January 5th, 1904. And Lizzie joined the few, the proud, the 1% of patent holders who were women at the time, which she already was because she had that typewriting machine thing. So according to the patent, quote, the object of the game is not only to afford amusement to players, but to illustrate to them how, under the present or prevailing system of land tenure, the landlord has an advantage over other enterprises, and also how the single tax would discourage land speculation. So I think anyone who has ever rented, which is most of us, um, has their own thoughts and grievances about landlords, but it's especially important to note that at the time Women and people of color face significant barriers to purchasing, owning, or inheriting land. And these systemic issues, we're still dealing with them today. It's not like, oh, someone flipped the switch and we don't, it doesn't affect us. But especially at this time, like you legally could not own land if you, depending on who you were. So a history of this kind of discrimination also led to white landowning men disproportionately benefiting from land ownership and prevented women and people of color from building generational wealth, which, like I said, we are still experiencing the consequences of today. Yeah. So the patent includes a drawing of the game board, which looks very similar to a modern day monopoly board with some key differences. For example, the starting square read, labor upon mother earth produces wages and the square would eventually read go <laughs> and the game got a little less intense
1: apparently yeah
0: years. Like she was she did not fuck around like I love her so much she was just like nope we're gonna say it as it is so according to visitforgottonia.com who honors Lizzie on their websites quote the plot of the board game is surprisingly similar to that of McComb's Downtown Square, which I've walked around. In one corner were the poorhouse and the public park, and across the board was the jail. McComb's jail incidentally was at the time in one of the corners of the square. Also included on the board were three words that have endured for more than a century after Lizzie scrawled them there. Go to jail. And we have all been there. We have all been to jail. And we've all been like, God fucking damn it. So there were two sets of rules to the landlord's game. The anti-monopolist rules, which were known as prosperity, which benefited all players when wealth was created. And then the monopolist rules, which was just about winning through domination. Yeah. So the, the, the whole point was like, you could play the game either way and then just see how one system is better than the other. So it was like, A way that you you didn't even have to philosophically explain the economic system that she was promoting. You could experience it.
1: Yeah. Okay. That
0: makes sense. So, like, it's a fun game, but it's also promoting this economic ideology. So, in 1906, Lizzie moved to Chicago and formed the Economic Game Company with other Georgists to self-publish the game. She continued to create games such as Mock Trial, which was published by Parker Brothers. And while in Chicago, Lizzie would marry her husband, Albert Phillips, and the couple would move back to the East Coast. Uh, So Lizzie's patent expired in 1921. And in 1924, as a way of renewing her ownership over the game, Lizzie patented an updated version um, this new version would be published by the Ad Game Company in Washington, D.C., in, which included both the Monopoly and Prosperity versions. Okay. By, this, by this time, the game became incredibly popular with college students in the Northeast, especially those who believed in more like this economic ideology and more economic equality. And one such student was a man named Charles Darrow. Charles actually was taught the game by some folks who had made an Atlantic City themed version. So this is kind of like a game of telephone where like they played the game and then they kind of made their own version that was based on Atlantic City. And then they taught him the game. Charles Darrow then took this version and began making his own game boards, selling the game solely as Monopoly. Hmm. So we're going to take a break and just check some facts. So Lizzie invented the game. Yep. Some folks made a local version of the game to share freely. You know, it's like if we made Rochesteropoly or Minnesotaopoly, you know, something like that, and we put, you know, notable Minnesota towns or landmarks on the board. Yeah. So they share it with this guy, Charles Darrow, who then starts reproducing the game and claims the entire thing as his own and he, he creates this myth that he's like, I invented it in my basement. He also stopped speaking to the folks who shared the game with him in the first place after he started selling it. Oh, my it.
1: God. And like, so he knew what he was doing was wrong. He fucking knew.
0: He absolutely knew. So in one fell swoop, Charles Darrow knowingly ripped off, like, two sets of people.
1: Oh, my God. What an asshole.
0: It, like, he's such a sleaze that he... Oh, I'm like did he even know he was ripping off Lizzie or did he just think he was ripping off his friends? Either way it's does, bad. Yeah, does it
1: matter? Like
0: Yeah, no. Charles Darrow not he he he's not a great guy. He does not come off well in this story. So, Darrow, an audacious entrepreneur, took his game and tried to sell it to Milton Bradley in 1934 as his own personal invention. Milton Bradley said no. They would say yes to the Ouija board, though. Is that Milton Bradley or is that Parker Brothers?
1: I think it might be Parker Brothers. I'll look it up.
0: Okay. Because I'm like, someone who said no to this or yes to this said yes to the Ouija board, which I'm like, can we not? <laughs> so in 1935, um, oh, sorry. Next, he took it to Parker Brothers, who also said no. And they, were, they complained that the, the game was, like, too complicated. They're like, no, it's entirely too much. However, Darrow was successfully selling the game on his own, and its success in the 1934 Christmas season caused Parker Brothers to take another look. So in 1935, they purchased the game and patented it. But wait! How could Parker Brothers not realize they bought a game that already existed? Well, they certainly realized it in April of 1935. So to cover their asses, they got an affidavit from Charles Darrow repeating the myth that he was the sole creator of the game, and they bought out Lizzie's 1924 patent and all of the copyrights associated with the game and all its variations. It was the I Parker feel-
1: Brothers that got the Ouija board. It was? Yeah. Well, and then and then has Hasbro has since bought the Parker Brothers, so now they own Monopoly. And everything else, too. But it was originally the Parker Brothers that bought it.
0: I'm like, there's another big toy and game company that I'm forgetting. It was Hasbro. Yeah. They, they now so, own everything. So the same people that thought communing with the dead and well, it's a good idea spirits in your home stole this woman's game. Yep. And I don't know how they were able to buy the patents out from under her. I, I don't know how that works. Yeah, that's but weird. that's what happened. So Lizzie was fucking pissed. She had only made $500 from the landlord's game and actually invested more money in creating it than she ever earned. So beyond the financial implications, Parker Brothers was determined to bury her role as originator of the game. She publicly spoke out against Parker Brothers, which resulted in them agreeing to publish two two more games that she had invented, but they continued to perpetuate the myth that Charles Darrow had invented the game in his basement so basically to like pacify her they're like okay well we'll publish some more of your games and she's like I don't have the the sway I don't have the resources to fight this yeah so I'll I'll take it but they stole from her Charles Darrow stole from her and then Parker Brothers stole from her and then even if like buying her patents and all that stuff was legal they buried her they completely buried her role in creating this game And they put all of, they were like, no, Charles Darrow did it in his basement. How cute is that? So the myth permeated the public consciousness until San Francisco State University economics professor Ralph Anspach was creating the anti-monopoly game. Professor Ralph, because I don't think I'm saying his last name correctly, and Ralph is a great name, Professor Ralph was also trying to create a game that depicted the pitfalls of hoarding wealth, specifically in response to the Monopoly game. Parker Brothers had not grown softer over the years. To the contrary, they were more litigious than ever and sued Professor Ralph for his protest version of Monopoly. Oh my god. You're so petty. You're so fucking petty. You're Parker Brothers. Calm down. <laughs> also, wouldn't that fall under, like, parody or protest? I don't know. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty sure it would.
0: Well, and here's the other thing. Professor Ralph could totally be protected. That's not going to stop Parker Brothers from suing him and forcing him to exhaust his money, time, and resources. So. um, So while research... So, Parker Brothers, blah, 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 sorry. So the resulting legal, oh my God, cats. <laughs> my cat's jumping in front of my notes. Arthur, I know you want to know what happened. It's next, and you're also mad about Parker Brothers. Some very interesting documents. While researching Monopoly's history, Professor Ralph rediscovered Lizzie's original patents and realized that not only did the game he was trying to make already exist as the landlord's game, but the company who was suing him for infringing on their copyrights had actually stolen the game from Lizzie in the first place. Right? Like, Jesus Sucks Christ. Well, today Lizzie is finally receiving credit for her invention for the rest of her life. The myth of Charles Darrow persisted, but that didn't stop Lizzie from continuing to fucking kick ass. Hell yeah. For the rest, because Lizzie is not the kind of bitch that you can keep down. She's like, I "I will write an article literally selling myself to the highest bidder so that I can get economic stability and crush this world. So for the rest of her life, Lizzie advocated for women's rights, the rights of Black Americans, and a more equitable economic system. She also made more games, including Bargain Day, in which players competed as shoppers in a grocery store, which Aww. I'm like, I I can see that being made today. I'm sure something like that exists. I would play the crap on rights Right? And King's Men, an abstract strategy game, which I'm like, a monopoly is already pretty intense like when it comes to the rules like i can see why companies turned it down for being too complicated right but like then she's creating this abstract strategy like she was a very smart she was a very intelligent woman so she did all of these things before women even had the right to vote that's insane lizzie would live to see the passing of the 19th amendment and Good. vote. She died on March 2nd, 1948, at 81 years old, and is buried in Columbia Garden Cemetery in Arlington, Virginia, next to her husband. Virginia?
1: Virginia. That's what you almost said.
0: Virginia. I'm being
1: climbed upon.
0: (laughs) Virginia. Legacy. Monopoly- is the third best-selling game of all time. I had read somewhere it was the first, Damn. but actually Checkers and Chess reign supreme, which I'm like, okay. That makes yeah. sense. Um, So there are thousands of themed versions, including, these are some of my favorites, RuPaul's Drag Race Monopoly, yeah. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia Monopoly, Shark Week Monopoly, and Bob Ross Monopoly. There's pug- Pugopoly. There is Pugopoly. I'm sure there's Catopoly, there's Chiopoly. there's Basically, there is a pop culture. If there's a pop culture property or something in existence there, it has a version of Monopoly. And my favorites, there is also a version called Macombopoly that I saw at the Forgot Tony, brewery. And I will post a picture of it, which I'm like, I want to get my hands on that. We didn't have time to play it because we were busy eating chicken lips and drinking, but it's, it's, just blows my mind and I love that the Forgottonia Brewery has that like game honoring McCombs daughter of the corn Lizzie Maggie so while the game has certainly changed from its anti-capitalist origins Lizzie created an enduring board game that not only entertained but educated players on the benefits of cooperation and the dangers of wealth hoarding
1: Benefits beyond of that, cooperation. Liz, Talk about a friendship ruining game. I
0: mean, it's changed. Uh-huh. Thanks, Charles. I not my Charles. Charles, that Charles. So beyond that, Lizzie's legacy is one of activism, speaking out, and not being able, being afraid to make a scene. And I think we can all learn a little bit from her. So that is the story of another daughter of the corn, uh, Lizzie Maggie, and the Landlord's sh- Game. <laughs>
1: such a loud snore.
0: The anti-capitalist origins of Monopoly.
1: Like I love Arthur it and this- I love how it turned into like someone's going to be a capitalist asshole to make money off of it.
0: <laughs> yes. But I mean, if it like in a way the current version does kind of prove her point. Yeah, oh, 100%. Like you you hate everyone that you're playing with. I used to I used to nanny for these kids and we would play Monopoly all the time cuz they were really into it. And one of the kids actually, like, borrowed a book from the library about professional monopoly rules, and one of them was, if you don't buy a property within, like, 10 seconds, or if you don't decide whether or not you're buying it, someone else can just grab it from you. And this kid is nine. So, I know,
1: like, the... His brother's
0: younger, than him and so he just starts swiping cards oh, yeah. and the other kids are freaking out because they're like you can't just fucking take our cars he's like well according to this book and i'm like i'm the nanny here i am the law and you don't get to just throw in rules that you learned on your own and did not share with anyone right. else you
1: sneaky little turd i was gonna say like the the official rules are if not that people can swipe it but like if you choose not to buy it it's supposed to go up for auction It's not just supposed to go back on the board.
0: But yeah, he's just
1: like, no, you only get 10 seconds.
0: Yeah, it it, it was was some kind of rule like that where he could then be like, well, I'm buying it. And he's like, I'm like,
1: we we are your children. We're not playing this cutthroat crap. (laughs) I mean, theoretically, if he wants to buy all the properties, he's going to go bankrupt real quick. (laughs) Yeah, but it was it was I was like, oh, my God, you're like, I am putting my nanny foot down.
0: Yeah, no, I had to be like I am the law here. I am Monopoly. I I played Monopoly so much with those kids and I haven't played it since. I
1: just love like he was so into it that he got a book from the library.
0: Oh, he was really he, he was he was like incredibly And then smart he kid. used it
1: to essentially cheat and be like But he was, but but books. He was conniving
0: in that way. You know, he, he he was a little sneaky, but yeah, he got this book from the library and he was like telling me about all the professional rules. I'm like, okay, well, we're going to play by the rules that we're already aware of. And, you know, just get to whip this shit out from nowhere and steal your brother's cards.
1: Are you sure, Emily? Kidding.
0: I mean, that board, that board's awesome shit. I'm I'm not going to lie.
1: <laughs> all right, Kelly, what are you thankful for? No, I'm kidding. Um... Hmm. I'm thankful for uh, being able to have time to recover. I I was sick at the beginning of this week and I just I was able to recover and like actually get time to like take care of myself and not be guilt, like feel guilty about it. (laughs) Which is definitely like something I've dealt with before where like, Not anyone in particular, but usually like, you know, the place I work for is like, and everyone was very much like, just take care of yourself. It's fine. So that was just a very welcome change. And I am grateful for it.
0: I've been so happy to hear of all the ways that you are suddenly like not feeling guilty (laughs) at work and it's kind i mean it's it's kind of mind blowing all of the different ways that we are conditioned to feel guilty for being sick for having family stuff for the weather and how things like that interfere with us punching the clock you know what i mean oh yeah like it, it's absurd i um i i used to work uh, at a you know i used to work retail and I had had a blood clot and my leg was acting up and it was, and I couldn't walk on it. So I was using crutches and it was a similar pain to when I had the blood clot and there is a possibility that I could have come back. And I'm like going out the door on my crutches. I was living at home at the time. My mom's like, where the fuck are you going? You're like work. I'm, go- I'm going to work. And she's like, no, you're not. If your leg is bothering you, we have to make sure the blood clot's not back. Cause here's the thing. If that thing gets loose, like I'm gone, that's it. And I'm like, no, 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 I'll go after work. This was some shitty like part-time summer crap, okay? This was not like I had a meeting or a conference or I was giving a presentation. I was working in a store. So I call my boss And she's like, well, if you can't come in, you have to find someone to cover for you. So I called everyone on the list. No one else could cover for me. I call her back. I'm like nearly in tears. And she's like, well, if you can't find someone to cover for you, then you just have to come in.
1: And you're like, and I'm like,
0: okay." And my mom takes the phone from me. And she I was so embarrassed at the time. But she goes, this is Emily's mother. And she is going to the emergency room. I love your mom. And this woman shut the fuck up. Because she's like, well, I can't bully this lady. And fortunately. Oh, I love the- your mom. I know. I was so embarrassed at the time. But now I'm like, that was some real mama bear shit. And I love her. Um, it turned out it-, it wasn't the blood clot. It, would actually- it was probably what would plague me later that I would also need hip surgery for. Um, but I was still on crutches by the next day. And my manager didn't say a goddamn thing. Good. But like. That was some shitty part-time job that I did not need. And they, like, they had no right making me feel guilty for going to the emergency room. And just how we are so, and how I was going to put my health at risk to go in and work. And, like, how we're so conditioned to feel guilty for anything that happens to us and in our lives that might interfere with work. It's, it's right. so absurd. It's so fucked. And it happens so early for really stupid jobs. Like it's, you know, I get if you're a surgeon, like someone's not going to get their surgery because you have a flat tire or something. Like you got to get to work. But retail, a restaurant gig, like some of this shit, it's like you got to be kidding me.
1: What are you thankful for?
0: Uh, Speaking of work stuff, I'm really thankful that my uh, my boss preemptively closed the office in preparation for the snowstorm. So no one had to make the guilt call or email saying I I'm not coming in because it's not safe. She was like, it's probably going to suck. Don't come in.
1: Yeah, we had like one team meeting and our boss was like, we'll just do it virtually. That way no one no one has to come in, at least not for this meeting. And I I went in anyways, because one, I live like five minutes from my office. And two, I had a client to see, but yeah, like I, 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 yeah, I also appreciate that. Like my boss also gave us that option of like, Hey, you don't have to come in.
0: Yeah, no. And I, I, I love that. And I I was reading this, I think it was like a, a Twitter exchange, but it was someone saying like, I've worked in it and I've worked in food service and food service was a million times harder
1: and oh, really? then like yeah.
0: the the thread kind of kept going and it was people talking about how you get abused in these quote unquote low skill or unskilled jobs more than you do at an like a, a quote unquote high skilled like office job you know you break a tortilla shell at Taco Bell and they scream at you i make a mistake at work i don't get screamed at i'm like okay let's make sure this doesn't happen again. How can I support you and make sure this doesn't happen again? Like it's a, it's just such a different, I don't know, just the way that people feel that they're entitled to abuse others because of their job or how much money they're making. It's just really, it's so gross. It's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful. I've, I've been, I've been very fortunate to work for several people um, in the last few years. that have actually respected me as a human being and respected my safety and my health. So that's cool.
1: Yeah, and that always feels, like, good, you know? You're like, okay, I'm I'm actually, like, valued here. I'm not just a body keeping a seat warm.
0: hmm Well, thank you. Speaking of uh, equitable economics, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whining About Herstory. Like us on Instagram at WAHPAD.
1: Twitter, not Twitter. Oh, we're Facebook not on Twitter. About Thank you.
0: Sorry,
1: I fucked up. Street.com, where you can find a link to all of those sites as well as a link to any of our episodes and our sweet ass merch that you should definitely buy. Um, you can also find a link to our buy me a coffee where for as little as five dollars you can buy us a bottle of wine that will either match to your name or whatever you tell us to as long as it's not like a hundred dollars. Um, You can also find a link to our Patreon where you can donate for as little as $1 a month to get some sweet-ass extras.
0: Sweet-ass fucking extras. Like our history happenings. I think we have 14 of those up now. Wow. Kelly has one coming up this month. And then I already have mine for next month ready. So fucking get ready. I'm so excited for mine. I'm I'm kind of freaking out.
1: Just minor, minor freak out. It's fine. I
0: I lost complete control over myself when I was writing it.
1: (laughs) That sounds terrifying.
0: And Kelly hasn't given me any inkling as to what hers is. So I'm like, I'm like.
1: I should probably ask since you're like completely done with yours. I should ask you what yours is when we're not recording to make sure we're not doing like the same thing.
0: Okay, we'll make sure. And I'll tell you what my next one after that is.
1: (laughs) I like that you have this lined up.
0: It's because I came across a few different topics where I was like, that would be a really good herstory happenings. And I had to write it down to make sure I wouldn't forget. So then when I actually had to do the notes, I wouldn't be like, what did happen in history?" I don't know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of whining about herstory. I'm Emily. I'm Kelly. And have a snowy day. Bye. Bye. I have to go shovel again (laughs) and again.